Hi, everybody. Uh, internet and whatnot. Hi, Charlie Soul. Welcome. To- How's it going? Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is, in fact, a show where we take very interesting people such as yourself, and what we want to do is walk through the story of your life and try to, like, extract some knowledge nuggets and, like, learn about it. Like, you got to look at it, like, from my point of view, if you Google anybody, there's nothing. You can't find anything on anybody, even, like, quasi-famous people no information. So, in a sense, it's like, this is the chance to fill out all the gaps right. of the quirky <laughs> shit on our Wikipedia vibe tip type uh, type thing. With That's that, um, I have a bit of a big opening question to get the ball rolling, but for me to do that right... I need you to just kind of introduce yourself a little bit, but most importantly, let us know where you start your life and a little bit about who you are and what you do. Like super brief. Um, uh, well, my name is Charlie Soul. Thank y'all for watching, tuning in. You know, I'm a father of one. You know, I'm a laborer. I'm a hardworking gentleman, just like anybody else in the world, and uh, I go for what's mine. You know, and uh, music's been my passion since I was about 13, 14 years old. I'm up in my near 30s now, huh. and uh, where did you start your life? Um, I started my life honestly around like 13, 14 years old. That's no, I when mean, like music. in a more quite literal sense, pretend the music is a chapter of your life, but your life right. starts 13 years before that. Where did that take place? It all happened in Brooklyn, New York, man. You know, Amazing. again, born and raised in New York, and yeah, like everything, just, just being a little kid in the 90s was That's actually. It. We're going to get there. So now I'm going to get the ball rolling because I got a question and it's a bit of a story. And when it lands, we're going to start talking about it. I want you to remember the story doesn't start when you're 13 full of hip hop. That's like a chapter that comes after the beginning of the story. So let me, let me start it up. My girlfriend, one time she's washing the dishes and she's got her phone open and she's playing that black eyed peas song. I got a feeling. And she's like, she's vibing, she's dancing, she's doing her thing. And I started looking at this song, but I really started thinking about it. I'm like, yo, when did this become chores music? Like, check it. She's she's like playing that song and she's like washing dishes and whatnot. And at some point in time, that song became the chores music. And I say that because, yo, let's be real. Ten years ago, that guy is up in the clubs and whatnot. Two in the morning, it's the highlight of the night song. People be dancing, super drunk, trying to procreate, all kinds of stuff. Ten years goes by. The song doesn't change at all. We change a lot. And now the song is chores music or it's exercise music or it's something that you would throw on when you're kind of maybe a little bored and you're trying to have a little more excitement of those good old times back in the day. And I was blown away by that because it made me think about all the little 20-year-olds running around to their club music, how like one day... 10 years later they're gonna be a lot older bumping cardi b washing dishes thinking about this kind of stuff (laughs) like i am but then i realized we're just doing dishes to cardi b now and it's more like club music just becomes chore music because we evolve like that and that's just what happens the sounds don't change but they go on a journey with us so the music it's like this big journey right for sure and like A lot of times when we talk about our journey, even yourself, we start at this adolescent phase. That's when it starts for us. When we get attached to something and we get into it. But really, there's so much that happens before that that ties into it, right? And everything that happens before it musically, which is something that's like 
always been around you since you were like the youngest you can possibly remember there was probably a song playing somewhere in these memories so like i can bring it back to like being four or five years old my dad's got those gray boxes the fucking amplifier the radio the tape deck these wires is going to everything out to these speakers take them 20 minutes to set this shit up after we move type thing and he would bust these led zeppelin tapes and at nighttime it was like the 90s techno music straight from the clubs of montreal and all that stuff playing and it created like this ambiance to the experience my mom's less fun it was discos and musicals and all these vibes that she was into that i was just kind of there for at christmas time we had this like one tape it was edm remixes of christmas songs and that was like the present opening soundtrack type and it was just like all these things played into my life way later on and i just you know you don't often think about it but when you really run it back it's, it all starts there when you're young before you have oh, yeah. any control of the sounds around you you're still experiencing it absorbing it fascinated by it so i was hoping charlie soul you could bring us back to being the youngest charlie soul you can think of being and tell us a lot what it sounded like to be you before you had any control over the music or environment or anything it started with church mm. my grandmama would go to church and she would come back home sweating. And I'm like, Mom, why are you always sweating? And she's like, the Lord took over me. I was in church, I was singing. I was hitting all the high notes and I feel the spirit took over me. And my father would play Luther Vandross. My mother would play all the great, you know, Motown records. I mean, and jump, you know, from the 60s to the 70s. And then we would go to the 80s and we would just jump back as, as you know, as time went on. And, you know, around 2000, when the ball, you know, dropped, we would all, as one family, we would go to the house and um, we would play all our favorite records. And uh, we would dance. We, if you would chuck in a job, we would have like a little brick dance floor little spot on the floor and um we would have a really good time y'all would have a break dance in the family new year's get together yeah it was it was quite wow yeah we i mean it was just like it was just a community you know the entire block would come because we you know we all went outside we all played ball and then when the block parties back in the 90s in brooklyn the block party was like we would go out have fun you see the big boom box out everybody outside you see the italian icy man the ice cream truck i mean this was the 90s this was the greatest almost greatest era of all time you know besides that and hip-hop you know so we would all go out we would all have a blast and um that's really where it came from because if you know if, if grandma grandma was like the head of the house so everything had to run by grandma. So, you know, all the parties went by, all, you know, when, if you didn't say grace, you didn't eat that one Sunday. But music, like you would always hear her humming. You would always hear walking up the steps, walking down steps, folding clothes, cooking, going to the grocery store. Music was that, my grandmother was music. So it just went through the whole house. And then um, I started writing music when I was like 12 years old. Right, and before, I would, before we get to 12. Let's go back to it because, yo, you got to understand. I'm from Montreal. Some of the viewers are all over different places. Most of us didn't grow up in the heart of Brooklyn in the midst of the 90s when stuff is all like evolving and stuff. And you're describing already block parties and big speakers. Yo, walk us through a little bit more what it's like to be there. Like, tell us what, like, so are you like part of this era that's watching like the video box and all this stuff on TV? Are you listening to the radios or are you just kind of like more ingratiated in what your parents and the church is like? Like, We, I mean, New York is, and at the time, you know, Brooklyn in the nineties, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, even in, it was raw, it was aggressive. It was like 
live right there, you know? Sometimes you would go to the park and you would hear people, like you would see people break dancing in the park. You would hear people, see people playing handball in the park and you would have their own environment. It was live. This was before cameras, this was before Facebook, YouTube and all that stuff. So it was either you were there and you captured the moment or you had it on a picture and it was like a Polaroid picture. You would shake it and the image would come out and you had to be there in order to understand Brooklyn was its own vibe. It was its own environment. Like you, you had to be there to experience the block parties are one thing. They would have carnival, they would have juve on Eastern Parkway. And I mean, the place was just an entertainment center just in itself. It was like, you were watching TV just right in front of you all day long. So you can, you can be in the mix or you could be on the sideline watching, you know, watching the live event go on. But, um, back in the nineties, it was just, you were a kid. You knew a kid when you saw a kid. Now it's hard to tell a teenager from an adult, but back then you knew a kid when you, you know, and you saw him, you knew he was a kid and we would always respect our parents. That's, that's the difference. Nineties. I couldn't, I couldn't disrespect nobody. The neighbors, everybody knew me. Like everybody knew everybody. You couldn't disrespect nobody or else you won't catch the hands all day. So parenting was different. The love, the hospitality was different. You know, like when neighbors came to your house, you knew who was knocking at your door. Now you don't know who at your door. The 90s, you knew, oh, yo, that's my man down the block. We're going to go play ball. We're going to shoot some hoops. You always had the goonies at the corner store at the bodega, always, you know, you know chilling around, drinking a 40 and all of that, chilling by the busted payphone. Like, you know, it, it was always it was always something going on especially in bed style back in the 90s. It was really dope. So never, there was never a day where you ain't see like cops and flashing lights. That's for sure. If you, if you was in the wrong place at the wrong time, you could definitely, in, in Brooklyn, you could definitely get caught up. And that's anywhere back in the 90s, in Harlem and Bronx, Queens, Staten Island. That's, that's anywhere, you know. That, it was, that's what I'm saying. The 90s, for me at least, was, was live, it was raw, it was aggressive, it was in your face. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have cameras and all that stuff to watch. It's like, you got jumped, you got jumped, you got beat up, you got beat up, you shot the hands. You come back, tell a story the next day. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, it, it was fun. It was something that you need to live. And I feel like a lot of the kids nowadays are just like, they soft, they they they, they fostered, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear so that. Being in the 90s was fun. If you, here's my thing, you knew when it was summertime, when the fire hydrant busts open and the whole street is just full of water. And all the kids is out, super soakers, water balloons, all that. That it was it was one of the greatest times of, of you know of my life, really. You know, especially with incorporating music, because had it not been for the inspiration of my grandmother and my family per se, I, I probably wouldn't be doing this right now. Uh, that's pretty big. So your grandma was humming around. Did you go through the church music grind? Like were you going to church a lot? Um at, at first, I didn't fully believe in it, um, to be 100 with you. But I realized something in my life that you go through certain stages. And sometimes those stages are almost unbearable, but you get through them. And at that time, I thought, yo, this, there's no way that I can get through the obstacles I was facing and there not be a higher being. There's just no way. And um, before my grandmama passed, you know, God bless her soul, she said to me, if you believe in God, he believe in you. If you believe in God, he believe in your faith. And from that moment on, fast forward so many years later, I walked past the church one day and it was raining. And um, I just stood there and I prayed and I was like, God, my obstacles are just beating me up. Hunted, beating me up. Like I need to find a way, help me find a way. Don't 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 give me the answer right away, but teach me, show me. 
Mm. And um, from there, I came up from the situation I was in. And uh, ever since then, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I had to go that, I had to learn. I had to go around that circle, you know, for me to come back and be like, yeah, my grandmama was right. <laughs> she was it's like, usually, oh, it's so, usually yeah. what happens, right? I mean, grandmas yes. are people who have lived through things long enough to become grandmas. And when you're young, you're like, nah, you don't know shit. And then you right, get you old shit, right? and you're yeah, like, you're oh man. shit. Grandma was around in a time that was probably worse than my time and made it. And you're right, like, oh right, shit. Right. right. And, and that was another thing I, I took in consideration too. I was like, yo, my grandmama went through all of this. You know what I mean? Like I read Malcolm X scriptures. She walked yeah. with Malcolm X. Say she walked with Martin Luther King. You know, she walked with the great. She walked with the giants. So her teachings are just like, all right, Humble yourself down, listen to what she got to say, because you can learn something from a woman that's been around you know, two times, three times over. So, you know, definitely the inspiration for music has come from my grandmother and, and my mother and and my father, too. Although, you know, he's a man of his own thing. Um, he loved Motown records. He loved Motown. He loved Temptations. I mean, he loved everything Motown you could think of. That was him. You could hear him, and he was trying to do his little little James Brown walk in the house. Can't do it, <laughs> but, but uh, he, you know, he, he did his thing, and um, and and that's it. You know, we, we always love music. Music was music is it, it's it's my blood. It's what I do. It's why I'm here. My daughter and music is why that. I'm here. So when you were young, because we're not finished being young, I know at 13 you get into hip-hop, that's going to come. But when you're younger than 13, are you involved in, like, maybe some of the b-boy kind of stuff? Are you singing around the house? Like, are you having a more active musical thing? Or are you one of the more passive ones that's kind of just a fan? Michael Jackson was a huge inspiration and still is to this day, okay? I can't tell you how many white socks I turned brown just trying to moonwalk across my floor. Um, and just try to do every dance possible. Like the Thriller uh, video, his music video, Thriller was one of the greatest videos I've ever watched, you know? Um, and just that era of music, honestly, the eighties, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, I know that's not by Michael, you know, and just a lot of just music from that era too. So yeah, I was always dancing. I was always, there was something about music. I couldn't put a grasp on it at that time, but there was something about music that just, like, all right, this is where you belong. This is this is home. This is this is where it's at. So yeah, Michael Jackson, Aretha Franklin, Nat King Cole. I mean, all those records played in the house. I was always, you know, dancing and doing my little thing to it. So yeah, it started off with the little, you know, with the little bop, with the little ditty bop. Yo, cool, man. <laughs> I know I know sometimes it's like weird to delve into it, but in my experience having these interviews, the fans, as in the not us. They love picturing you at like six dancing around in Michael Jackson. Oh my god, man! Yeah, that's like the that, most and my Superman undies just sliding across the floor. Uh, I I guarantee it, and um, I cannot like make this up at all. I took like butter and just kind of just like eh, smeared it just a little bit on the floor and just went for it, just <laughs> went for it, and um, I put a hole in the door. Yeah, I got in trouble for it, but it's, you know, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. And again, this is before cameras. So like if that was caught on like one video, that, that would be like America's funniest video right there. 
That was like, if you think about it, America's funniest home videos is basically like the '90s, 2000s version yeah, of YouTube virality. It really was. It really, it really, it really was. You had to sit down in front of a TV to do that. But I was a single, like single kid. You know, my um, my sister's a lot older, um, and she doesn't. You know, she's still here, but she doesn't live with me at the time. So I was just like a single child. So I was doing all these things without a cameraman. I was acting silly, you know, without a cameraman. So a lot of the times, I wish some of my goofiness was caught on camera. Yo, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm like, I'm born in 87, right? So the whole 90s goes by, my whole childhood full of all the tomfoolery and like, trust me, I've got no camcorder where I'm at. So like, it's like, yo, it's just whatever got caught on a picture or whatever you remember. I resonated heavy. And that's like the way up until like, what? I'm an adult before like people start walking around with fucking cameras on their phones, you know? Like, right, 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 right. My first phone ever was like this Motorola flip phone that like the antenna was pretty much like the length of my current iPhone. <laughs> like you, it was the battery would never die. You can have that plugged in charge for like one day and it would last you maybe about like two and a half weeks before you drop like two bars. Yeah, <laughs> back when if you like, I remember my parents had the Nokia version of that, like the '90s phone, and they yeah. got the one with Snake on it. And I remember my mind being fucking blown by the oh, fat man. ass it's, Nokia it's... phone with the little shitty Snake game. Oh my the god! Oh yeah. man, I had me for hours. Times. That was, and we used to like be like, "Can I play Snake?" Now it's like, if yeah. you were to get me to try to play that, I'd be like, "Bro," <laughs> you know. <laughs> Nah, not happening. Not happening. Um, all right. So, what happens at like thirteen ish that era that makes you decide? Hey, well, when do you discover like actually get into hip hop in a more focused kind of way? I guess is that around thirteen or is that that's around before? thirteen? Yeah, that's around thirteen. So, what like triggers it, it? Um, <laughs> a lot. Um, <laughs> being bullied in school was okay. one thing um the loss of my mother was another thing and that was like the, that was just like that was it that just tipped the scale over um so i lost my mom around like 12 years old and uh she loved music so much you know selena was her favorite singer of all time she'd buy shirts of selena she would listen to all her cassettes she would listen she would walk around with a walkman i don't know if you remember a walkman back yeah, in the day yeah. and, and the cd player so she would walk around with that and uh she would sing a heart out in the shower so like again you know music was it, it went through my family and um i felt like i was the beacon at that point and uh, so the loss of my mom definitely was like, that, that was it for me. You know, I started writing more I, because at that time I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Right. You know, I couldn't, it was so much for me as a kid to like, okay, this is what's going on. I still have to go to school. I went to school like three days after I went right back. I had to finish school. And, um, you know, when I went back to school, everybody, you know, they, we went to the auditorium and um, my dad was really cool with the principal at the time. So the whole school took a moment of silence and said, you know, said their farewells. So that definitely touched me. So that is itself, along with, you know, the loss of her and, you know, and music going through the family was, uh, was it, that was it. So, so around that time, it was good. And was it like hip hop at that point that you were into, or were you trying to just like it was it was it was hip it was hip hop it was both actually it was spoken word it was poetry um, and it was rap it was hip hop you know um, one of my good buddies you know 
I call him, I call him a kid bully. Um, you know, he, he taught me the ropes of how to rap and stuff like that. And I had a worthy adversary named Young X. Um, and we would go at it. We would beatbox. You know, we would have like one one guy, you know, banging a pen and a pencil in the cafeteria and we would go at it, you know, spit, you know, 16 bars. We would do that. And we would have different, you know, different young talent, you know, different artists at the time go up and we were all trash. We all knew we were all garbage, but it was the simple fact that we thought we would one up the next guy. And and some of the things that we said were actually pretty personal. And sometimes we got into pretty you know heated arguments about it. And, uh, you know, we once we got into arguments, you know, a couple fights broke out. But at the end of the day, it was all for the love of music. You know, we all came back to that you know, realization that that's how much words it affected us. And that's how much we wanted to share with other people that we wanted our words to stretch. We wanted our words to, you know, empower and touch other people. So, you know, around that time, yeah, that was... Um, that was it. That was that was the music. That was the time we were just I was getting serious with music and and hip hop and rap was definitely the culture because my first CD I bought was uh, Notorious B.I.G. And I actually I didn't buy it. I actually got one of my friend's mothers to buy it for me. And uh, this is when I had my CD. This was Ready to Die album. And then uh, a couple of years later, I got the ETH, I got uh, Nas album, the Illmatic album. Um, I got so many different like CDs. I used to buy bootlegs, you know, off the back, you know, in the hood. There was this one guy that sold uh, CDs and bootleg movies out of a black Mazda MPV. I'll never forget it. I was on Gates Ave in Bed-Stuy. This is about like 98, like 99-ish. Um, and I had a couple of dollars and I was like, yo, I'm just trying to listen to some new music. Again, this is before like LimeWire. This is before all of that. So we had to go buy the shit in the store. And um, and I bought it for a couple of dollars and I had it. And like, I knew it was bootleg because the, his album came with like, I think it was like 14 songs or something like that. And I only was able to hear like seven of them, seven to eight of them. So like, I only got familiar with like half the album. But yeah, it, it, it came from that time, you know? That, Yo, that's that amazing so yeah the way you're doing this these answers perfect this is exactly what it is we're trying to basically give context to your life but also add context to the experience because yo one of the things that's big different is that like not everyone grows up the same and sometimes people like don't understand that the world is kind of bigger than them so hearing like right. your story and how you went to the guy in the van and all this shit like it adds kind of to the bigger collective of conscious understanding of how we all get into music it's way different right. than people would expect but my favorite part of what you said and i think it's the biggest knowledge nugget in it is when you said we knew we were trash but in our minds we knew we were less trash than the guy that we're going against and that was right. all that mattered and i'm right. like yo if everybody approached music with that attitude right like, <laughs> i might not be good today but I'm better than that guy, so that I'm guy. going all in. <laughs> but all of a sudden, it's like a lot more people would get over themselves and like push oh, because yeah. we can oh, yeah. all find a that guy we're better than. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we uh, and and you know it was it was all love. There was this guy named Cash, and uh, he still he still raps and he still does his thing. His name is uh, Pluto Cash, but uh, and we're still friends on Facebook to this day. And I've known him, and this is junior high school. This is you talking over you know. 15 years ago you're already talking and um 
and he's you know he, I, I think he still resides in Staten Island and um this guy would rap so fast okay like I couldn't understand a word he was saying but at the time again we we all were trash so I thought that that was the dopest shit a long time this guy just spitting so fast and I'm, no, 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 and I'm like I gotta write some of that shit down like I and this is me like you know I'm brand new I'm green as grass in the game and I'm like I, I gotta like try to absorb some type of energy and try to implement his energy into my style of, of, of art. And um, and then there was one, one recording, I don't even know where it is. If somebody could find that recording of us in the school, oh no, it was actually in the schoolyard. If they could find that recording, I would pay them for that recording. We were all in like this semicircle, right? And the guys were playing ball around. Were you us. always going by Charlie Soul if we're putting that out there? <laughs> How would people oh, find this? Oh man, these? definitely. If you guys find it, call me. <laughs> like, call me. We were all like in a semicircle, and uh, we were all just like rapping. And at the time, I went to the school called Andreas Huddy, and we fought a school uh, called Mar Eleven. And from time to time, we would have like they would come to our court and play ball or sometimes they would just come to our court and like start beef and whatever. And sometimes they would come to our court and they would bring their little like team of rappers or whatever. And we would have like a, like a spit off. We would have like a little cypher or whatever. So we get there and we're all rapping. Now mind you, this guy says something that's like so out of like context. Like I'm not even going to repeat it. It's just so out of context in today. Like then you could say it now people are so oh my word uh, that is a good way to put it out of context i'm gonna jack yeah. that because it explains what you're trying to say in such a safe way yeah yeah a lot of the things that we said were very vulgar and uh very aggressive very assertive um so we're not i'm not gonna dive too much into that story but just know that um when things were said and things in the heat of the moment sometimes you know we we got a little scrappy um for senior year we actually had a, this is Flatbush Avenue, uh, Flatbush Avenue is like Flatbush Junction. So it is like multiple streets that, you know, you can Google this area. There's multiple streets, multiple buses um, that you know, branch off to different parts of Brooklyn. And um, you hop on a train, go to Manhattan. So we there and the kids from the next school over. So happen to be on the next bus. So we get off the bus. We about to go onto the train. So a huge fight breaks out Flatbush Junction. This is like, 05, 30, 40 people, whole bunch of people outside scrapping, people getting thrown on the bus, people getting pushed down the stairs, a whole bunch of people panicking in like 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, a whole bunch of cops come, everybody running, scattered, dipping, everybody, everybody running. All of this happened over some beef that wasn't even like, it was just like make-believe. It was like a fit. It wasn't even real. It was talking about like this whole pregnancy thing with this girl from, and this dude from the other school. And it was just this whole vibe. So we was out there fighting. And then it went from that to like the music. And it was like, yo, I know you. And it, it, it just got bad. So, you know, again, you can't do any of this shit now. Then, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was different. But um, yeah. Not, I just add, add to that. I don't have like those experiences per se. I'm not gonna. I'm soft as fuck. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not <laughs> that soft. Like, but like, compared to a lot of places, I'm pretty soft as fuck. I know that. Cause yo, one of the things that comes up a lot 
when I talked to the New York folk um, on their come up was the fact that it's one thing to be like in a controlled environment saying some shit. And there's another thing to be in the street saying that same shit, knowing you might not make it up that situation because you're saying that shit. And that was like one of those things where as I, and it was like everybody from New York that like went through that, like in the streets kind of vibe of freestyling and shit. How to, cause you're saying some wild shit, but you're on the next man's turf and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, yo, that is super different than Facebook. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's so yeah. different in the reality of like how it could play out for somebody. So I'm like, I empathize a little bit with what you're saying in regards to like, I keep hearing people express that sentiment. And as you keep hearing it in different versions, it kind of adds this way where it's like, yeah, nah, in this new world, like, yo, people film shit. It isn't the same as what it was. And then you didn't like, then you couldn't, you know, it was a low chance, low probability that if you got jumped, there was somebody recording it. You know, a lot of the times, you know, I've won some fights. I've lost some fights. You know what I mean? I know when to fight. I know who to fight. You know, but at the at that time, there's no, you know who to fight. It's on site. It's right then and there. If you're getting robbed, you're getting robbed. If you're getting held up, you're getting held up. If you're fighting, you're getting jumped, you're getting jumped. If you're fighting somebody else, there was no live action. There was no YouTube. There was no Facebook Live. There was no, it was just right then and there. And that's when I was talk, like talking about earlier, everything back then was just raw it was in your face it was aggressive it was assertive it was right there it was happening all the time so yeah definitely you know especially growing up in bed you know i got a lot of people that live in queens and i got a lot of people that live in in, in, in the bronx and in harlem and manhattan and all that and i got a lot of goons that live in brooklyn and um again if you wasn't in the right if you was in the wrong spot you was in trouble especially certain times of night you knew because i knew officers by name <laughs> you, you never want to know officer by name you know you know what i mean the amount of break-ins that happened back in the 90s you know what i mean the amount of carjackings thefts robberies you know um vandalism i mean you know it was, it was crazy back in the 90s like back when i was a kid you could hop on a train for like 75 cents a dollar 25 that's that's when you could get on the bus you know now in new york it's like three dollars three and um especially in the projects like you go in the projects you go in the hood you know you was in the hood like you got people outside in the crib they just standing there they grilling people posted up all black champion hoodie tim's on they all making their plays everybody doing anything they they marcus Garvey projects you see different people standing around you know uh, brownsville projects you see different people standing around they had like blood affiliation day you know goons would come out slicing girls faces off right off right on the ass like it was like you had there was no facebook it was there it was aggressive it was raw it was in your face so like yeah if you was in the wrong in the wrong place at the wrong time you know no matter if you was the random person you could get caught no problem that is definitely intense it's not it's not like now now it's all like modernized you know they got like police officers on like eco-friendly scooters and shit like it's it's different you know what i mean they they up the ante on a on a on a police but at the same time it's like we had to go through that rough patch of, of you know of brooklyn like we had to go through that in order to you know progress to get to that safety where we at now right but yeah. oh fair yeah. enough I don't want to play with that. You don't want to be around. The nineties definitely was not no 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 joke. Um. So like with that, when you say you started to get more serious with music, how does that actually like manifest as you're pushing it as a teenager? 
first talent show, um, I, I transitioned schools. I went to school for automotive technology, and I did my thing in that. And I transferred over to school to a school um, for English and arts and, and law. Um, and my first talent show, I had no idea, like who I was up against. The school didn't know who I was. Like no one knew, you know, who Charlie Soul was. And I went through so many different names um, before Charlie Soul. Um, so that's a fun fact on that. Um, I was heavy into cars. So at one point, <laughs> my name was spark plugged, unplugged. I don't know why, but it just was. And then I went through the whole transition of like train because there was this game called Mark Echo getting up. And the main goal of the game was like, you know, you went around town and you spray painted and you did graffiti and shit. So like those influences, you know, with the different names. And so now my final destination, you know, final name in the books is, is Charlie Soul. But um, yeah, that's that's where it started off. And so I was at school and uh, I did the show. And again, no one knew who I was. And I lost to a group of girls dancing. As a young teenager, you would probably vote for them too. <laughs> so I voted for them. They won. Um, I came in. And yeah, I mean, you know, at the time, you know, you're like, you know, 14, 15 years old and, you know, you're in, you're in high school, you're doing your thing and you got a whole bunch of like teenage girls in like, you know, somewhat tight clothing and, you know, they're doing their thing. I vote for them too, you know? I, yeah, you got it. You know, so so I came in second, and at that point, the pop that I got from that was um just phenomenal. It was it was epic. They went from like, "Yo, man, who are you?" and I started getting dabs everywhere. People started pounding me, giving me fist bumps. Yo, your music is dope. Your music is tight. And uh, and it that's it. That was just that that one pop. And then ever since then, I was like hungry. I got hungry. Like I I, I wanted that attention because I I, didn't, I felt like I didn't get it as a kid. So like once I stood on stage and I held that mic in my hand and the beat was playing and I have the whole house just like all eyes on me, it's go, it's go time, it's go time. But at first you get nervous, you get nervous. But once you get on that stage and you hold that mic, it's over, it's over, <laughs> it's over. It's, it's ready to entertain the show, entertain the whole house, so yeah. So did you start then as a teenager and are you like make are you like recording anything at this point or is it more just like writing and performing? It it was I was on the go so much, um, because at that time, you know, I was just trying to cope with the loss of my mother, you know, and that was a couple of years back and I was just trying to find my footing, um, you know, with the music and where I wanted to be as an individual. And um ever since then it was just like writing on the go i never had the chance to actually step into the booth you know i did a couple of things here and there but not like i'm dropping this whole mixtape and i'm doing this i'm like it, it it wasn't at that the money wasn't there the opportunity wasn't there at the time so i was just like i felt like eminem eight mile i was on the bus i was always writing on any type of paper i could um i would go to the library and I, this is the time where i still have my walkman you know and i would listen to the cds that i had and um i would just write i would just get a vibe and i and i would just write i would just write if i had a really bad day i would write if i had something on my mind that i couldn't express to other people you know i would write and and at one point i was writing so much that like my my, my fingers would like cramp up 
like it would get really tight and um because i had so much to say I, I didn't have as you know as many friends around me I, my circle of friends was small so you know i had a lot to write down a lot to get off my chest so once i started writing it, it became like natural like secondhand to me it became like a, it went from a journal to like a rap book and then i started saying writing from what happened every day to like spitting what happened every day and then it just manifested to me start telling a story and then it just started growing 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 from that so yeah if i had more time in the studio i would definitely drop more hits earlier at the time but i didn't have that opportunity that's fair and so what happens after high school for you what goes on into the night do you go to college or uh i did i went to quincy college for a while um then i went to mcc for a while uh, manchester MCC. community college manchester okay. community college cool. um and then i started working on you know more cars and, and stuff like that and then i realized i didn't want to do cars for the rest of my life because music has been my life it's been a part of me ever since I can actually, you know, put words together and tell a in-depth story, you know. And at that time, you know, music just overpowered everything. So I realized, you know, I want to go to school for eventually music and art. Um, so I went to school for cars, <laughs> which is completely different. But at that time, I said, you know what, let me just finish that and then continue pursuing, you know, what's been at home forever right so at what point then uh do you like decide to like really i guess take music a little bit more seriously and like really pursue it then the birth of my daughter okay that's a good answer what can you elaborate she was she was, <laughs> she was born she was you know she was uh and i was you know that was a little a little later but i was always Music was always serious for me because it was the one thing, again, I never left, you know, my family never left me personally. Um, it was always in my back pocket. But, you know, around that time, yeah, around that time when my daughter was born, I would take it more seriously because when I look down at her, and to this day when I look at her, I want to give her the life that I never had. I want to be the father to her that my father never was to me. And I'm not saying he's a bad dude, but I want to be <laughs> more you know, more than, than that. And uh, that's common, you know, you want to give your kids, you know, everything that you never had and then more and then some, you know, and um, once, once I got into the booth, big shout out to Obi-Wan. Um, he was definitely a big push in it um, because he was like, yo, just come by the studio, you know, show some love, you know, spit a bar, you know, do your thing and, uh, and you know, see how you like it. And uh, at first I was like, you know what, and, uh, all right. Cause I was working two jobs at the time and I was more focused on, you know, the, the money. And I'm still always focused about getting money, but uh, I was still more focused on like giving her everything. And I realized that like, I'm working for the man, but I'm not discovering the man I am myself. Right. So I started getting more serious, more in depth with it. And then once I got into the booth, you know, big shout out to Travis Pitcher, Grizz, um, Yo, how it do felt you know, like. How do you know Obi Wan? That's cool. I mean, I just um, know a guy from like the name that has appeared in this Bring the Bars Facebook group that has connected me with a bunch of people. But like to me, he's just another guy that I have yet to really talk to. He, when you get a hold of him, 
he's an interesting man to listen to. And that's for sure. I'll never discredit that brother at all. He's a brother of mine. I've known him for so many years now. Um, I met him. I used to work at the gas station down the street here from where I reside. And, uh, and he came in and, and after, you know, we would talk and I just knew like the energy from New York, you get that energy, like his swag, his talk, how he talks to you, his, his, his tone, his approach. I knew he wasn't from out here. And, uh, you know, sell him his wraps, whatever, get him whatever his drinks, you know, his kids snacks, whatever the case was, ice cream, ices, you know, and, uh, you know, whenever they had cookouts, they would, you know, bring me a plate of food, whatever. So we just vibed at that point, man. And, um, you know, I, we met, we were rapping and, you know, I, he heard me spit. And I heard him spit, and after ever since then, man, we were just close, you know. We we bump heads, you know what I mean? That's my bro, you know. We're supposed to, you know what I mean? But we bump heads out of love, you know what I'm saying? Out of the love for music, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know, Charlie, don't move like this." So I'm like, "Yo, Obi, don't move like this," you know. And and um and you know we we work together, but definitely it go back, man. Blood's thicker than water anytime. So you know that's that's one of the homies. We go back. That's dope, because you said he brought you into the studio and got you to try it out again, which is effectively leads us to here in this very moment that we're having this conversation. So shout out yeah, to Obi-Wan. Who yeah, asked, it's, it's the 7th of August I'm talking to him. So like it's pretty close yeah. that that's going down. <laughs> I mean, if you're watching this, man, I love you, man. No doubt. You know, tell the family I love them so much, man. They, you know, they, they, um, they definitely, uh, he definitely was one of the reasons why I, I took it more serious. And um, I knew... It was meant to be when my daughter heard my music play over the car and play on YouTube and because she started moving her head to it. Now, mind you, she only knows she's she's now she's four. Aww. So I had to retain that much information at that age and actually like it, like the rhythm, move to the rhythm. I knew at that point, I knew, okay, Charlie, we got work to do this game time. It's also kids are not full of shit too, right? Like in my experience, right? They're straight up. If they don't like it, they're like, "Yeah, mm, pound sand." Like, mm, no, we don't. <laughs> Turn this off. Turn this off. That's incredible. But she was, yeah, she was moving with it. She was dancing, and um, so whenever I in one of my songs, um, I think you you played it, "Champagne Celebration." Um, I mentioned my daughter in the song. A lot of people don't know that at all. Um, there's a part where we say Paris met London Marceline. My daughter's name is London Marceline. So in the context, I painted the image that you, Paris, which is a someone else, met London. It's it's a whole image that I painted for that for the listener, but no one knows that until today that my daughter was I put her name in that song and made it fit a story that you know that you can listen to. But yeah. Bless. Yeah. yeah, yeah. there's no way I would have picked that up. That would have been some shit where I'm like, yo, it's blessed. To be fair, um, I don't try that hard to decipher people that are not being obvious as buyers anymore because I did right. album reviews for a long time. And then I would be like trying to break down a fucking like West Side Gun Bar. And then people from Buffalo would be like, bro, come the fuck on. What are you trying to do here? What are you doing here? <laughs> And then, like, I would spend, like, seven minutes Googling fucking athletes trying to... And I'm like, what am I doing? Nah. Mm. Is it sound good? It sound good. I'm going to worry <laughs> about the buyer message. You know, then it's like you realize I don't have to get everything. I can just right. make it. 
Right. So that's kind of my attitude a bit. So it's like you would have said that. I would be like, yo, is he so in the pocket? It's tight. And I really mean that. You are in the pocket. And it's very. you're also versatile. I was like, nah, he's all over. I mean, there's a consistency to it. But, like, that, like, oldest one on your SoundCloud is drastically different than, say, the right. Don't, I don't know the names. The la- the oldest one on the list <laughs> that was drastically right. different than the other ones. I was like, say a word. It's like versatility up in here. Right. Um, I, I try to change. Um because of the motive that you see a lot of artists nowadays, they all sound the same. And I don't know if you were able to watch that. It's like T-Pain went live on Twitch and he was just pissed. This guy just lost his cool. And he's like, you know, give me something different. Give me something different. Give me something different. Everyone sounds the same. Everyone sounds the same. And this here, you know, you can see kind of just in the square, you know, in the little square here, this is my office. I would sit down and I would chill. I would smoke. I would listen to different beats. I would go outside, get inspiration, you know, go to poetry slams and stuff like that and listen and just my experiences in life. And I would add all those things up and I would grab a beat and new music coming out real soon, by the way, just adds up. Uh, I would grab a beat and I would write. And if I didn't like it, I would either put it aside for a later project or I would just start over. Um, and I honestly, I love my roommate so much. I think I piss him off because I would play the same instrumental like 150 times, like at least, and I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Maybe about a hundred times. I'm playing that instrument over and over and over and over. Um, because you want to make sure as an artist, as a rapper, you, you want to make sure that you tell a story. You want to put the listener in a position where they are in shock. They're in awe by all this information that you're feeding them. Mm. You tell like in, like artists like Jid, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, um, Drake, you know, the heavy hitters in the game. If you listen to some of their lyrics, they put you in an environment that you have never usually uh, in. You say, hold on, I gotta like just, I love that you put Jid on that list. You put Jid first on that list. I like Jid. Don't, DiCaprio 2 or 3 or whatever, it's a phenomenal right. fucking project. Don't right. get me fucking wrong. Um, but damn, that's a high praise for Jid. It's, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of unsigned hype and there's a lot of talent like myself, you know, Obi-Wan. There's a lot of unsigned talent around here like, like Dave East. You know, I mean, he's signed. You know, I'm not signed no, him and all that. I got but... people who, like, come to my, my channel. I haven't done album reviews most of this year. I got people who will come and be like, review Dave East all the time. Like, not all the time. But relative to other people, Dave East has fucking love. And people want to see him win. Right. And 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 that's the thing, too. Like, you remember those names. like you. And, and I'm going back even further than them. I go back to like KRS One, Pete Rock, Seal Smooth, Rock Him. I mean, the heavy hitters back in the day, you knew those names, you remembered those names. Craig Mack, I, I can't forget Craig Mack because Flavor in Your Ear, oh. you know, the whole remix with Diddy and, and Big and, and Buster and all them, that really was like one of the you know, one of the heaviest like songs that ever I still have on my phone, you know. Um, and that quiet song with Mob Deep, Lil' Kim. Those names, because of the fact that they were so lyrically blessed, they were so lyrically talented, you knew that's why the 90s was the 90s, because those guys took 
their time and put pen to paper and put their imagination and just spit out their imagination to the viewers and people love those hits. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's all those names I listed were also big influences. And those people to me, you know, including, you know, J. J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, Dre, all those, all those heavy hitters, the talent and the, the amount of power that they put behind the lyrics and in the booth is the reasons why I, I list all those names because they're able to tell a story that puts you in an environment that is not yours every day. Yeah, super nifty you mentioned those people. I fucks with I fucks with everybody you mentioned on like uh, my preferences front. But I was thinking a bit about just the T Pain thing. Those are great examples of mainstream artists. But I know that like if you just go like a step below what Billboard talks about, everything's there. Like everything. Every quality level, every topic, there's just like a hundred people that are like exactly what T Pain wants. Right. If he went like one step below like the billboard tier of shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah, people yeah, be acting it, like billboard is somehow now like the same. First of all, billboard is not what it was, say like back in the day, right? Like right. billboard back in the day was this thing where they would like maybe listen to the streets a bit and let that fucking leverage the situation and we bleep, right. bleep bloop all this crap. I'm like with that, like, billboard was there now like everybody knows how fake the shit is right you see like things like justin bieber and them teaching fans how to manipulate the system you see shit like motherfuckers pairing up with energy drinks to spike sales and shit like and then right. everybody's going but billboard Trump. yeah because the real motherfuckers don't do that shit that's why they're right. not on billboard and then right. you might go but what about jid and J? they they kind of have majors in some way doing that in shit some ways, right they, they're playing the paola game whether and i'm not playing the paola game are you playing the paola game no no i i i go off of what the, the energy is and you know as a small fan base as an artist and with a small fan base that's slowly growing i again i feed off that energy you know so i'm not going to represent something that i'm not you know that's, like i'm not dope. I'm not this tough hardcore guy but I'm, I'm also not a chump you know like if i have to i have to if i gotta hold my own i hold my own but i represent you have to represent something you have to have a standard and your standard is being my standard is being true to myself if i know i'm this grade b rapper i want to make myself a grade A rapper, this is what I need to do in order to do that. I'm not going to fake my way to do it. I'm just going to hone my craft to mm. make myself that tier level. You know, I'm not going to go around boasting. I'm the hottest rapper. I'm the dopest rapper. I am not the dopest rapper. I am a dope rapper, but I am not the dopest rapper. So I pay homage to all the people that's like, oh, I'm the greatest alive. No, you are one of you could be one of the greats if you just keep applying that pressure you keep applying that momentum that positivity that force then people acknowledge you can say you're good all the time you can say it to yourself i'm good i'm good i'm good and that's good that's uplifting that's what you're supposed to do but it's different when you have a whole crowd of people telling you you're good it's oh, different and it's just to like add on to what you're saying i can't stand when Eminem clones in particular say they're the best rapper, 
I'm like, bro, Shady's still dropping music. You can't be like sounding like the man and then claiming to be better than the man. Right. And also like it's democracy a little bit. I know it's a weird thing, but <clears throat> what's like I was thinking deeply about the idea of what is great. So it's not what I think is great because that's my opinion. And my opinion is worth whatever it's worth to whoever it's worth. worth. Right. That's it. So if we think about the greatest shit in history, it's always what was democratically remembered across time. That's just it. It's what a lot of right. people over time agree is great. So therefore, right. it's impossible for something to be great without an element of democratic, we agree as a people, this shit is, it could be like a population that's really small, that's where you get into niche greats and like right. cult classics and we made up a bunch of terms for like great shit that's only great to some people. People, right. But like, you're not great unless other people call you great, which is why it's always so baffling to me when people with clearly met, like, you can Google shit, right? People, some people saying they're great, it's like, or like the best, I'm like, bro, like, are, are you, like, say you're the best in like your neighborhood per se, like, you know, like be specific and like, I right, cool. Yeah. But then it's like, I don't know. It's like a pet peeve of mine, honestly. And it's just like, I don't understand it. I don't understand it's, why everyone's it's... on this quest to like say they're the best without specifying what they're the best at. Right. If you, if you take the craft, if you subtract all the hype and you take the craft for what it is, you take the knowledge that you have obtained throughout the time you've been studying that one particular craft and you erase all the hype what you have is two things you have yourself versus reality and yes the the final result is you are the amount of energy you put out so if you want to be great you're going to be great but you have to put that elbow grease in you got to put you're going to hear a lot of you suck you're going to hear a lot of you can't do it you're going to hear a lot of ah oh, this sounds the same you're going to hear a lot of no, no, no. You're going to hear 50 no's before you get one yes. How you take that one yes is entirely up to you. You take that one yes, you're like, ah, yeah, that one person said it's dope, whatever. Yeah, those other guys said it sucks. Or you can take that one yes and say, okay, that one yes, I'm going to take that one yes and turn it into three, then turn it into six, then turn it into nine, then turn it into 12, and then turn it eventually turn it into 50-something. And you get the same amount because you put that level of work in, you put that time in, you, you accept the criticism, you take the good with the bad, you run with it. And um, that's that's where I step in. That's when I I feel that like, when I write a really good song before I go and record it, there are times where I would cry, no lie, after I'm done writing the song. Because it's, I took so much time I put so much energy into it. I would feel like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up or I would get goosebumps on my way to the studio. And then I get there and I'm like, all right, I'm ready. And before I you know, text my producer, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm like, you go in there, you give not a hundred percent, you give 150% of everything you got. You try it again, you fail, drink some water, try it again. Because when I leave, I want to give you guys, I want to give the listeners a product that you would like, a product that you would remember. Not, oh yeah, that song is cool. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the one hit wonder. I want to keep giving you guys music that you like, music that you 
you know, you want to listen to you bop in your car, you know, not just the stuff that's repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. None of the songs on the Noise album sound the same, not one. Right. And I want to keep doing that going forward. I'm with that. I like versatility and shit. Um, I, I guess it's like you listen to a lot of classic albums and you start coming up almost with a rule list of sorts. So I created like, like if I'm going to make an album, there are certain things that have to happen. Classic albums don't really have the same topic unless it's a concept album, but the same topic won't come back more than like twice as like a core element. And even then, like that's only really in the older days of like the classics back when they were discovering shit. Right. You take a ready to die or something. Honestly, every song is about something different for real every track and it sounds different and the concepts are different and like you can run it and it creates this like mesh and we used to go through these albums track by track by track right and think about it what is every single fucking song saying and we did a lot of that and you start realizing that every song has to be about something different or else you're not creating something that is in the tier of what all the other classic albums are and that just transcends like genre right like all the big albums of most genres have multiple topics and become like this whole experience, even down to the token women song and shit like that. Like you, you kind of almost need this shit. Right. Even if it's just to prove you can do it. <clears throat> right. Even if it's just cause all the other albums have it, you know, but then you got to have it too. And, and it's like, you start seeing that, uh, sonically the beats got to kind of either be all the same or mad different. You can go either mad direction. Different. And, uh, and, it, and it just shows like a lot of people I find they're focused on algorithms and algorithms are a funny thing to focus on because it means that like whatever you're doing is so subject to today and what's going to work. So people try to tell me about there's no attention spans or there's like two minute tracks. What's a third verse? All that. And I'm like, bro, like none of that really matters. Just go make music that like you think is going to sound blessed and not like whatever and at the end of the day there's an audience for you out there for it you know like kind of what you were saying take that one person and flip it and if you can get like a thousand motherfuckers to give you five dollars a month that's five thousand dollars a month yeah right that, that's right. like bread that's you know? yeah it's you know it's um i think a lot of people that challenge this you know the world in today they get scared of hearing no so they don't do it and in music, you have to be able to accept no. You have to be able to accept that. That, that doesn't sound good. That, that sucks. That's terrible. That's trash. You have to be able to accept criticism for what it is because I've had artists come and tell me, oh, those bars are weak. And a part of me is like, ouch. But then I take that and I say, all right, what part was weak to him? I'll step outside of my box and try to view it from that person's you know, eyes. And then sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Screw you, man. This is dope. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what I, this is, you know, all me. This is my creation. And um, every single song I put out, every song from the first song, Catch Your Body to Champagne Celebration, um, there's no ghostwriter. I never had anybody to help me write any of my lyrics at all. I sat here or I sat somewhere else and you know I had my medicine and uh I had my mental space and I just started going crazy um but no there's never been a ghost rider from catch your body all the way all you know 
10, 11 yeah. songs, there's never been a ghostwriter. Is that like a point of like, okay, because you're like the first person to say that. And so then I get curious. Whenever somebody says something I don't hear a lot of, I'm like, are there just a lot of people you know that have ghostwriters? I'm not saying you have to say names, but is that like a thing that's prevalent in the world that you're privy to? Very much so. Um, wow. Very much so. I'm very like much baffled so. by that. Like, because I don't think I know anybody. In fact, I probably know people that go too far the other way where like maybe they should like bend a little bit when like people have criticisms on their writing because maybe ghostwriting isn't the shittiest thing in the world here and there for a line or two. I know uh, ghostwriting is, you can make a lot of money in ghostwriting, believe it or not. You hit the right yeah. outlet. You hit, you hit the right outlet. You can write for, you know, Nicki Minaj, you can write for Megan Thee Stallion, you can write for The Baby, you can write for a lot of people. And those aren't, those ghostwriters don't really get all that hype. Most of the hype goes to that one particular artist that's in the limelight at the time. And, um, like, if you look at the, for example, you look at Drake's Take Care album, one of the greatest albums that I believe that he put out, there was a lot of ghostwriters behind that album. There was a lot of other influences mm. You know, I just got to get whether sound biting or whatever. Um, there were a lot of influences for, like, from that. I got to give Drake credit on one thing he does that doesn't get put up. Sometimes he just adds people to the credits. Right. It's like a residual. They didn't right. do and, shit. And that's, that's more just for his case. When I've looked into it, it appears that Drake is actually capable of always writing the hit. And anytime he's ever used ghostwriters or shit, it's often as like favors so that his mom, his boys, because, yo, it's it's weird for you to like as a celebrity, just like give money to people and shit, right? Like you can't just right. do that. But if let's right. say I'll put you on a percentage on a song on Take Care, now you get a check from SoCan or whatever you're from. That's the Canadian mm -hmm. version of BMI mm -hmm. and shit. Mm -hmm. I'm like... Now you get a check every three months or whatever for the rest of your life. So it's kind of a way to like some, and I'm not saying he doesn't have the fucking Quentin reference chart. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. He's also a fucking pop star, you know, like right, he kind right, of has right, like right, a machine. Right, right. But I know for a fact that a lot of the hate that goes to him, it's actually charity in a sense. And people don't understand what's happening sometimes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. because it looks away. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, it's both. It, he does, right. but he also... Right does the other thing and then you got to ask yourself well i mean that's pretty cool of him right like imagine yeah it is it is it is you definitely want to give credit to you know to the people that put you on and the people that gave you the inspiration to write you know and i'm not saying that that one particular artist drake is not talented i mean the guy's been on the top of the charts for 10 plus years and he's still dominant and uh still dominating and you know you you give credit where credit's due but you know it, there are people that I know personally, you know, I'm not going to say names and, and I'll never different. throw anybody under the bus. You know, there are some people that I know that have, you know, you know, a, a bar or two or three, you know, or half the song written by somebody else. And, you know, they would inherit that type of flow and that type of style, which is okay to an extent because you're educating somebody else on a different flow that they may not have known. At the same time, it's you. You don't want that person to sound like you don't right. want that person to completely steal your shit. I don't know if I can curse the human language. You don't want nah, them to steal that I'm, flow I'm, and and <laughs> and uh, you know you you definitely want them to have their own level of creativity. Um, there was a video that I watched 
um, I think it was on Drink Drink Champs, and Buster Rhymes was was there. Uh, he was he was being interviewed, and he was like, "You're not a real MC if you have a ghostwriter. If you have somebody else that write for you, you're not considered a real MC. You were off the table." Facts. And a part of me was like, "Thank God I don't have anybody writing for me yet." But at the same time, I was like, "Whoa, that's a that's." You know, you taking a shot on that one to everybody else that has that extra hand in, you know, in the pot. You I mean, know? I so, would challenge that, like, there is a time and a place for some shit. Now, here's an example. For sure. If it's my album, <clears throat> right, and I'm trying to do a thing, and let's say for whatever reason I'm doing whatever, and somebody's with me, and they're less experienced than me, and they're just slow, I might help them. I might, right. when I say help them, I mean, I might write some shit that ended up on my album why because at the end of the day it's about i wrote it with their delivery we we know right. we worked it out it wasn't just like ex- right. it was like we wrote it more right. than he exactly. wrote it kind of thing and i'm like but it was for my album so in a sense it's like fuck that it's like i don't care about your ego i mean if i don't like a bar or two you're gonna change them type thing like if right. it's my album right, right. you want to be there Maybe right. if it's like your album, you come at me, and that's how I've always right, looked at right, right. And you want it to be so like, perfect. I don't know that it makes that dude less of an MC because that one time I I forced him to do a thing when he goes on to do his own thing. So I think there should be a degree of like for the music that is your music, you know what I mean? Like in that context, I want to add that caveat in because I can, there's just a few conditions here and there where it's like. I find it acceptable if it's for the sake of an art project. Oh, by all means, goal. yes. Sometimes, and, and I, like, I, um, I get where you're going with that too, because you get different ideas. Sometimes you don't have the idea. Sometimes, again, it's someone's outside the box that says, oh, man, you should probably say it this way. Maybe you should paint the image this way. Or ah, I'll go about it differently. Like So, yeah, to get that insider view, and that's where you would give credentials to that said ghostwriter, you know, that, that person that's giving you the idea generally or writing it for you. You'd be like, okay, oh, man. man. That just reminded me that technically speaking, I have to give my, because I just registered for, like, the fucking thing. My dude wrote the word manure in one of my songs, and it was just perfect. Yeah. So technically, he gets a credit. Right. He gets but, right. He gets But he right. wrote that he word. And why would I be like stubborn about that? Fuck that! Right, it's a perfect word for what I was trying to say. I'm not right. gonna be dumb. You just take it. It's nah, you give you give credit where credit's due, and you definitely give credit. You know, when somebody says, "Hey, man, you know, maybe you should have said it this way. Maybe you should have done it this way, or you know, move this way." So, because again, that person is not in the position that you're in, or has been in that position before, and they're you know they're saying like, "Okay, from experience, this is what you should do." So, you know, you got to definitely. Take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes you got to put your pride down and be like, you know what, man, you're right. You know what? Or this is a good idea. All right, let's do this. So teamwork is always a, is a good thing, especially with like the Angry Boy collab. You know, the team that I'm in and a part of, which you know, Obi Wan is Grizz right. Sketch. I don't actually know what that is. What is the Angry Boy collab? We should break that down so the people know. Yeah, Angry Boy collab. We are just a family of just artists that are you know you know based out of New England, and um you know we just do what we do. We are rappers. We're singers. We're we're artists. We're poets. You know we we try to influence your motivational speakers we try to influence you know as many people you know as we have and um you know we have our own you know merch that's going to come out soon a part of this gang radio hat i don't know if you noticed that i definitely um, noticed it <laughs> yeah the gang radio hat i've had it in the get back video um that's something that's a part of angry boy collab uh, we're working on a website uh, called angryradio.com 
um, where, you know, you can get all of all of us pretty much, you know, my team, myself, Obi-Wan, Grizz, Sketch, uh, Sketch 603, uh, you know, and everyone else that's a part of, you know, part of the team. You get the inside scoop on on us pretty much, you know, that that website, which is going to go up hopefully by the end of the year. Um gets the full on one on all of us. So you get to buy merchandise from us. You get to buy hats. You get to buy, you know, different things from us, CDs, you know, uh, you get to follow us on Instagram and, you know, you get to see what we're doing, follow us daily when we post videos all the time. And it, Angry Boy Collab is basically a bunch of hungry people that want to better themselves and provide for their families along with, loving the art of music and incorporating music into our everyday lives. Our, that's what I feel, you know, angry boy is it's a, it's a family of, you know, of people that just love music, that just love art, whether it's rapping, whether it's singing, whether it's metal, whether it's poetry, whether it's spoken word, no matter what it is, as long as you're able to vent and make that person feel it, that's that's what we're about. We're about telling stories and giving the, the, the listeners, the viewers more, you know, for less. And that's what that's what we do. So you believe in collectives and shit like that then? I I I believe yeah, yeah. I, I I believe strongly in having something that you're proud of. Owning up to something that you're proud of, you know. I can have 50 people that tell me that you know you're you're great you know and, and you you're doing something with it and you're going somewhere with it and i can have 100 people tell me ah nah, dude go you know go quit your day job but those 50 people respect the craft they respect the time the dedication the sweat the tears the motivation the, the sleep because sometimes i'll get up and i'll have i wake up and i'm like i gotta write this down if i don't write this down i'm never gonna remember it so I'll get up out of a deep sleep and I'll write it down on a piece of paper. I'll write it down on my phone. And a lot of the things that the, the listener, they don't see any of that. They don't see that. They don't see me getting up at early hours of the morning, writing it down. They don't see me, you know, coming up with something crazy in the shower and jumping out to write it down. They, you know, they don't see all the, like the small the bursts of inspiration. Right. And um, yeah, as long as I have a solid you know, body of work, and I have people that tell me, listen, man, you're doing something with it and it's good. I'm, I'm all right with that. I'll, I'll just keep going. And eventually I find my way out. You know, we find our way out. Yeah, that's big trip. So are you like active in the New England scene? <clears throat> um, I am enforcing myself in the scene pretty much. I am going to different shows. I'm just showing up different things i'm just letting people know i'm here acknowledge me i'm here you know but uh i, I haven't I, i've done a show recently at the shaskeen bar in manchester new hampshire you know i had family and friends come out show love to that um i performed three songs champagne celebration all eyes on me um and neighborhoods all those songs you can go find on all platforms are all there um and just say that you actually brought it to a stage i know you posted clips somewhere of it and i watched some of them clips and i watched you on the stage bringing that big old raw energy and it was like yo this guy can rap rap yes <laughs> yeah yeah i i and and i love the fact that i had um 
I was going over all eyes on me. I was performing all eyes on me at the show at the bar that night. And um, no one knew who the hell Charlie Soul was. No one knew who he was except my family, my friends that were there. And once I started and I got into the hook and I started all eyes on me every, the first time I didn't hear anybody. After I repeated the hook, like the third or fourth time, I heard the audience, I heard the house. And it was like, at that point, I knew I had them hooked. I had them reeled in. And that the energy that I got from them was just more motivation to be like, all right, we can do one more song. We can go one more round. We can give these guys one more. And uh, at first, you know, it's nerve-wracking. It, you know, you, you, you get tense, you get scared, you know, and you're like taking deep breaths in, drinking plenty of water. I can't tell you how many times I had to pee before I actually went on stage. I, I had to pee a lot. But once I got there and once I started and I grabbed the mic and I was I was home all over again. It was I was home. I was home. Yeah. I wasn't here. I was home. So it's that's, it yeah. that's that's like a, okay, like honestly, I was talking to somebody recently and they were trying to make the case for a showcase. Whether or not you agree with showcases, he was like the way you do it is you do like a song and a half. You're out, boom, sell your fucking record. And I'm like, that's weird. And his main point was people don't know how to write hooks that people want to sing to, blabbly, blue blades, like not very cool. And I mean, I was baffled a little bit because honestly, like it's to me not that complicated to write a catchy hook. You just go listen to Drake and other pop music and they're just telling you how to write catchy hooks. Right, it's right. It's like in your fucking face, right? Like just, right. It's not that hard. You want to write, like again, in the hooks, like the All Eyes On Me hook and the, the Champagne Celebration hook and the Hustler's Ambition, they're all like ideas from, from, you know, from a lot of great artists, but I had All to. eyes on me. One that one felt very Tupac-y, and it like taps yes. into something. And yeah, it's very like different, goal. right? Like, but it felt that like you were paying goal. homage, and, right? And like it's repetitious. So like the way I understand hooks is no matter what you do in a hook, something has to repeat, or it's right. a shitty hook. It could right. be a word, it could be the whole thing. But in every hook I ever written, I applied that rule because somebody told me once upon a time. Because, you know, I talked to, like, other kinds of music songwriters, and they actually really focus on brevity and shit, right? Like, you got to, like, think about it. Rap is the only genre where your, like, word count at the end of that shit is, like, 350. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's the only yeah. genre. Yeah. Everyone else is able to tell full stories in, like, 89 words. <clears throat> right. In rap, you have to be able to dive deep into but it. But then it's like the hook is where you got to snap back and like go to everyone else in music and write like them because, yo, it's like it's it's almost like to tie it in, to be the glue, to be the part that the motherfuckers sing to and shit. All I know is that I don't know a lot of people that early on in their career are performing or whatever at any point in the lower tiers when people don't know them, get that experience of being completely unknown and having people sing their hook at the end of a track. And I say that because it happened to me one time. And it happened to me one time. But it was my first show. And shit got on camera. Blew my fucking mind, right? Like, because, yo, same thing. Like, the third, fourth time the hook came back. And it wasn't even playing on some pop shit. I got lucky, I guess. I don't know. And they just sang it. And I'm like, what? Right? Like, you're like, right, 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 right. You can't take that from you. You could do it once, you could do it again. Right, right. (laughs) 
Yeah, it, it, that, that was the feeling that I got. Um, there was so much emotion, so much energy um, once I started performing the all, my All Eyes on Me song. And, you know, when you get the feedback from the house, you get the feedback from the crowd, and it's they're vibing with it, it puts you, like, on a different platform. It puts you, like, on this pedestal that's like, all right, this is where we're at now. This is, you know, this is what we're doing. We're going to go with this and run with this. And when I finally put the mic down and I finally gave, you know, gave the mic back to the DJ at the bar at that time, I felt that my message was sent. My message was delivered to the people. And my message to, to those people when the people in the house was, I'm here. You know, I'm here. I'm not like every rapper. I'm not like every other rapper out there. I'm not the, the Hamana. I'm not. But if I need to be in order to get your attention, if I need to tell a story to get your attention and hold on to your attention longer than 30 seconds, I'll do it. And that's where all the different songs like Hustler's Ambition, you know, Catch Your Body, Please Stand Up, All Eyes on Me, Neighborhoods, all those things was an attempt to grab someone else and say, hey, listen, this is who Charlie Soul is. This is the music that I wanna I'm gonna show you that you've been hearing, you haven't heard in a long time. Two songs on the, the Noise album uh, paid homage to the late great Tupac Shakur and, and Biggie Smalls. Neighborhoods. Yo, the ten, the ten Crack Commandments fucking flip. Woo! The Ten Crack Commandments flip was dope. So I wrote Neighborhoods here in my living room. And uh, I was sitting down and I just smoked the blunt. And I heard that I heard that Biggie verse come on, like Biggie hook. I got 100 bricks, 14.5 a piece. And I heard that. And I was like, stop, play that back. And I heard it again. And I was like, wait a minute. There's no way that no one has touched this yet. So I bought, I wrote the song, I messaged the guy, bought the instrumental, you know, bought the lease, bought the license and rights, all that. And when I heard the beat, I was like, yo, if it would be disrespectful to not pay homage to Big after hearing Big go off first. I felt that it was like, if I didn't do that, I'm kind of throwing dirt on his name, coming from a brother from Brooklyn himself, coming from New York, coming from the 90s, you know, that that would be just to me that was like i have to do what's right for the culture so when i did yo who shot you talking about the feds at the spot bro gold badges black magazine for the one time pop drop the bastard shit happens masses have your man's leaking a doubt the last man to make that move the move slick all quicker the goons will be cashing you out that right there was like a was lot clean, of that my shit guy can i just say was that was clean I was vibing. I was feeling the rhythm in that. I was clean, right. and I can right. keep that in. Woo! That's what I'm saying. And that and that was that was neighborhood. So like, I'm telling a story to you guys, and part of it, I'm telling it from a third person. But I was physically there through most of the stuff that I told, and you know that I said in neighborhoods. I just told it from a perspective that was outside of the box. So when a listener hears it, they're like, "Oh yeah." You know, when I when you, when we went through the whole ten crack commandments, I was telling listeners and viewers, listen, this is how you should move. Be careful, you know, behind your back, you know, talking shit, da da da, because you just don't know who's gonna pull up on you. You don't know, who to, you know, you don't know. You gotta move accordingly in the hood, and especially growing up in the '90s, growing up at the time, you had to move correctly. 
Well, mm-hmm. she should get straightened. And that's, you know what I'm saying? So I took the stuff that I went through in my past and the stuff that was going on in my life at that time. And I said, you know, we're going to pay homage to Big. And I, and, and that's when Neighborhoods came out. So I had to, and then when, when I did the All Eyes on Me, I was like, why not? Why not? It, it, it just, it fit. Why not? Because originally All Eyes on Me was going to go on an entirely different beat. I'm not going to lie to you. I had the hook set on a different beat. And I'm playing it, and then I, I, again, I'm the type of person I would shuffle through, like, instrumental after instrumental after instrumental. If that guy is selling one, I'll buy it. If it's good, I'll buy it. If that one's selling on two-for-one deal, I'll buy it. Just to have so much, you know, ammunition in the back. Man, my cat's here. <laughs> and um, just to have that in the back. So whenever it's like, oh, man, when's Charlie Soul going to drop another song? Very soon very quickly and sometimes two three songs at one time so it's it's always good to have you know ammunition in the back you know just to give you guys something a little bit different every time i appreciate that so let me ask you what is charlie soul's ideas for how he's going to navigate the future of music marketing with the social medias and all the different tools available to him charlie Soul has a lot of work to do. <laughs> Charlie Soul has a lot of work to do. You can never, um, my answer to that is you can never stop, which means if you have something, if you have some type of content on Instagram and it's not on Facebook, you're not reaching that audience in Facebook. If you have something on TikTok and it's not on Instagram, you're not reaching the people on Instagram. It's if you have to be everywhere you have to know how to market and network and just keep going this is a matter of being hungry do you like so do you like put the same shit on each platform by all means because i'll put mad different shit on different platforms i do that because of the fact that if you you can go to google right now and type my name in charlie soul and you would see all the music that i've put out and, and it's everywhere. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Pandora. It's on YouTube. It's on iTunes. It's everywhere. It is literally, it's on rap fame. It's everywhere. You want to be able to, and this is just from watching videos and reading books and learning and listening to my elders and my mentors. You want to feed and just flood, flood it. Just give the listeners as much stuff, as much content as possible. Am I selling merch? Yeah. Am I putting music out? Yeah. Am I online on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, on this? You have to be. Why? Because... Mm, say a word. I got to follow you on TikTok. TikTok underscore Charlie Soul. You can follow me on TikTok. Definitely, I'm there. Uh, Instagram underscore Charlie Soul. YouTube, Charlie Soul. Facebook, Charlie Soul. Everything, Charlie Soul. Pretty much. Uh, follow me there. I will follow you back because I like spreading love. I like spreading positivity. If you take the time out your day to follow me, why not? I'll follow you back. Yo, what just, kind of just content do you put on the talk, though? Everything, man. I like talk. I like cat videos. I put a lot of cat videos, a lot of motivational speeches. Oh, well, you just you know, got my girlfriend to actually care about your TikTok by starting with cat videos. Am I even going to Yeah, I, I have. I've had, like, a lot of cats in my time, and I would make just videos, just inspirational videos about like you being able to do something in your life. And you're going to hear a lot of people telling you, no, 
And, you know, my TikTok is just basically that. It's music and it's just motivational encouragement, you know, to get up. If you fall down, Say get up. Right? I might jack mm-hmm. your motivation idea. And yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good it's a good way because I mean listen I've had um, videos that I put up for a day and I had five people like it I've had no people like it I've had nobody like it and it's okay because I put it out there for the universe if the universe absorbs it that's fine I put positive energy into the universe and you get doing. you get it back you get it back as Yo, long as I, you keep putting it working. I can I can like co-sign that in my own life with TikTok. I decided I'm gonna make the worst rap of my career on TikTok. I mean, like just bad rap. I mean, not like bad in the sense that I'm like technically improficient, but like bad in the sense that I like wake up in the morning and be like, "Yo, good morning TikTok. I don't know if the coffee's kicked in. This is not hot. This is squirrel outside and it's fucking with a bear. I don't care. Fuck y'all if you don't. You know, it's just really like yeah, 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 yeah. The worst yeah. rap of my life, in my opinion. And it's like deliberate. And I'm trying to be like kind of not perfectly on beat and stuff. Like I want it to be like garbage, so that right. if you go from that into my entire ecosystem, you're like, what the fuck? And I want to create that feeling off of the TikTok universe because it's so goofy. But what happened was. A beat maker that is connected to my homeboy who I had started doing TikTok raps with. So it'd be like, yo, Seab Dread, good morning, this, that. And he started talking about me and we were doing it like that. So it's like, yo, I could be like, yo, Charlie Soul, what's good? Have a great day. And then if we started creating that, whatever. So this got attention of a beat maker who started taking my TikToks, downloading them and reposting them with beats under them. I'm like, say fucking word. That's dope. Then he put up this like shit where it's me featuring the next guy and he just took random freestyles. I'm like, what? TikTok is getting awesome. That's that's wild. But it really, I have like no hearts, right? Nobody watches my shit. I get 150 views. Nobody cares except for like three people. And it's like, but you know what? One of those three people turns out to make beats. And then I was in a situation where I couldn't use four beats because whatever, whatever. And then I'm right. like, he's like, he had just said, send me acapellas. I'm like, say a word. So then I sent him for uh, right. acapellas for tracks where I just deleted the beat, sent him the whole thing. And then right. I got a new project coming off of this bullshit TikTok effort led me to a four track project. I'm going to be able to put on the Spotify. You know, like this, that not crazy. It just, it, exactly. Because it, and, and that's marketing, that's networking. And that's what I was saying earlier. You're going to get a lot of people that may not even hear the great content that you put out, but you're going to eat, you're going to get some people that's like, that's, that's pretty dope. And then you take that ball and run with it and then you run with it and you keep running and you keep running. And then eventually someone's going to see you running and you're like, all right, I like what he's got. I like where he's going. I like where he's going with that. Mm. And then eventually it just opens the door, you know, for bigger and better things. And that's where. Like, for example, you know, I got put on by by Obi-Wan and, you know, and at first I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm not sure. And then I got back into it and then it just felt like, all right, all right, you, you were here at one point in your life. You're here at one stage of your life. Why did you leave that stage in your life? Come back to it and let's get to work. And um, ever since then, I was like, all right, we working, we here, you know. But yeah, it, it, it depends. It, it's all, it depends on how much you want it. And then it depends on how far you're willing to go with that. Because again, you're going to hear a lot of people that tell you, no, nah, that's a stupid idea. That, that's, a, that's a dumb idea. But if you feel it here, you feel it in your heart, you know it's good, it's genuine, it's pure. Then it comes from you. 
you can forget what they say as long as you know Facts. it's straight. But it's Good. also on like a law of attraction tip, right? Like I think like I stopped asking artists what they think of my shit. I, I'm like, you know what artists don't do often with the exception of the bring the bars group, which spends an exorbitant amount of money on itself. It's like crazy to me. Like I'm blown away by how much people actually buy each other's music in this group. But you the do, rest yeah. of my life is not that it's, it's like, you know, artists are often like the worst economic people to pitch my music to and they're pitching right. their music to me. And I'm like, I'm an album reviewer person. I barely like music in a real way anymore. I have a weird, like, you know, like I heard, I'm comparing you to like everything I heard in my life. It's like, I don't know. Like, do you want my honest? No, people don't want that shit. It's this weird, like circle jerk or like, what's your, what do you think? Not, I'm not saying everyone, but I see this phenomenon play out and I'm like, but then you start listening to feedback and everybody's contradictory. And it's like, this is crippling. What is the value in a hundred opinions that don't agree with each other? So I'm like, I don't know if I trust this. I think the results will speak for itself, right? Over time, right. you can make moves. And then what happened in your life? Sometimes nobody likes my music, but because I made the music, other things happen. Happen, right. Yeah. And if you yeah. count spins as a measure of success, let's say it's like, nah, but then all of a sudden it's like, I got a lot of crazy, cool, weird shit happen to me this year, even though nobody really like is consuming my content how I want, which is like, right. okay. So like, I'm not getting what I want out of it, but like not fully. I mean, everybody wants everybody to love everything they fucking do. It's just the truth of the shit, you know, but like, right, right, right. If, but you find like that value in like the opportunities that get created. And I'm like, hold up. My life is like linked up with people like there's a lot going on right. and shit you know yeah. it's actually pretty yeah. dope now i'm so yeah i'm so busy i can barely follow shit like this is cool right. this is cool existence yeah. that's that's when you know that the ball's rolling um and and a lot of people they get afraid they get scared when the ball starts rolling because they don't know the trajectory they don't know where it's going and it's okay to not know where the hell the ball's going you just know that it's rolling. Mm. It's okay to not know because at the time you went from doing what you were doing at the time and now you're doing music with a producer and stuff like that. But at the time when the ball first started rolling, you couldn't tell where it was going. You just know that ball was rolling. You knew that things were in motion, plans were going. And, you know, like, for example, I'm, I didn't know I was, you know, at one point when you told me, hey, you know, you asked me, hey, you want to do this? I didn't. I couldn't predict that I was going to do this. Have this interview with you guys. I didn't know that at all. But the fact that I kept writing music, I kept putting music out, led me to this day. It led me to the show. It led me to you know meet different people, network, follow different people. You know, it led me to that. So yeah, once you get the ball rolling, it's good. But a lot of people hit the panic button because they get afraid of where that ball is going. I'm the type of person that's like, send it, man. We're going, it, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You get told no, you go back to work the next day. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a famous guy. I still have a nine to five job. You know, I still do what I got to do to put bread on the table and, you know, make sure I got a roof over my head. But I, feel you. I think, I love, I think, I think virtually everyone I know in music still has a job. I, I think I read a statistic sure, that says sure. only 10% of sure. Canadians live off of music. Like in the music scene, only ten percent of Canadian musicians live off of music. Music, right? Stat, right? Everyone like, else has a nine to five, and like, don't get me wrong, not everyone's cut out for. Don't, don't get me wrong, 
a lot of art, a lot of, you know, talent that I've, that I've heard um, should go back to pen and paper and, and, and try it again and work on their craft, you know, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm greater than them, but I know the content that I can put out can grab oh. more attention. I would argue that in a lot of areas, it's not even a talent issue. I can't, I realized along the way, talent is one thing, right? And it's kind of like, the problem with talent is that you can, everyone can achieve talented. And where a lot of people I feel struggle is like branding. Like take the Angry Man Collective. You were able to describe this with a series of sentences that was able to convey almost a mission statement that described what kind of person would be interested in this group of people, right? That's branding. That's marketing. You've, you've taken the time to almost – like if we think about wrestling, you've taken the time to create your character and what he represents. Right. And if you're trying to get like a, a wrestling promotion to hire you, it can't just be like I wrestle well. You have to come in right. with a gimmick, with a whole thing that will make it capable of writing into the storylines of the greater picture and shit, right? right. And that's right. where it's like, when I listen to the Charlie Soul brand, when I look at the way you present yourself, everything about how I see you maneuvering, I feel like you've taken enough time. And even throughout this interview, you've managed to convey a sense of a mission of what your intentions are, your goal, who you're looking to attract. Nine times out of 10 people who are struggling, I find put like almost no effort into like the marketing because people along the way confuse marketing and promotion as like unanimous things. And like promotion is just a part of marketing. Right. It's, it's like right. one chapter it's one of, branch of marketing. Right. And it's like, I mean, to, to, to create a brand, you need a mission. It's like right. rule number one of branding. <laughs> so it's like, what's the yeah, mission? You need a primary if, goal. Yeah. Primary objective. Yeah. And if you can't like describe that, because once you have the mission, everything else is plug and play, right? right. Like even right. with your music, it's like, if you know what your song's about, the rest of it's just putting the words in the right order or finding the right melody or rhythmic composition to accomplish the mission. I mean, I treat a lot of my songwriting a little bit essay-like because it was mm -hmm. always like similar to the way they taught me to write essays, like you have a thesis and then you back up your thesis with arguments. Right. I mean, like, so to me, like the chorus is like the thesis statement that you're mm -hmm. trying to summarize the point. Summarize it, yeah, and then your right. verses are like the arguments and maybe like the bridge is like the subtext expanded point, you know, like, right. and so I treat it like that. So from a content perspective, it's built around an argument and an argument's just a story, you know, like, right. so it's like, it kind of boils into it. And that's just kind of like how I look at it. And then it might be kind of like sciencey and maybe not the coolest approach, but like, I feel like it allows me to to ensure that there's always like a purpose for every song even if it's a stupid purpose even if my execution of the purpose is trash right. those things aren't the same i can justify why everything exists every decision i made with it even mm -hmm. if there were bad ones mm -hmm. sometimes you make bad decisions <laughs> sometimes you know, yeah sometimes especially in writing you know and that's where i would i would like realize okay maybe I should go back and rewrite this. Maybe I should tell the story in a different light or, or a different context and, or shine a light on the subject or matter a little bit differently from how I usually do it. And um, to me, again, it's, it's about being able to take a complete stranger and put that person behind your eyes. You know what I mean? So they see what you see. They feel the emotion you feel. They understand that you know the level of severity that this is you know what's going on 
And, you know, like, for example, Champagne Celebration, and I'm, I'm just comparing two songs. Um, Champagne Celebration was more of like an uplifting song, you know, and, and getting everybody in that right zone and encouragement. And, um, for example, Hustle's Ambition was just more of a goal of like, you got to be hungry. You got to want it. You got to go out there. You got to get it. And, for example, All Eyes on Me was just the attention of, I'm here, acknowledge me, we're here, we're gonna make a name, we're gonna make some noise, we want to tell a story in that manner. Stop eating that. I'm sorry, my cat's eating. My cat was like eating stuff. I'm sorry, it's just so weird. No, it's all good, it's all good, man. Yeah, this is the yeah. Twitch life. Everybody loves the Twitch experience. Yeah, that. my cat was like eating this thing, and I'm just like, I'm so sorry, like my cat was eating, I don't know Bro, if you could see it, but yeah. yeah, it's, yeah I guarantee like, you. Every cat person in the world that sees this, just keeping this in. Every cat person in the world that sees that just like loved you more. Like, I love my cat just because of like how she sleeps. She sleeps like a dog. Okay. She would lay on her back, paws up in the air. And like, I swear at one point, her paw was like just resting like on my cheek. And I'm sleeping and I'm like turning over and I feel like something like pointy and sharp was like digging into my face. And yeah, it's it's this little troll right here, yeah, snooping around like trying to like scratch my face off. But yeah, I I am um, I'm an animal lover. I, I love animals. I love dogs, cats. I love all sorts of animals. You know, if I can, you know, take one in, protect it. Like I got this cat. Her name is Shaw, um, and a buddy of mine. And he was going through a situation, and they had to relocate the cat, and he had a Chihuahua. Um, so he was able to relocate the chihuahua no one really gave two hoots about the cat um then my cat passed away i had a cat before she passed away she was like 17 18 she had like kidney problems and stuff um so you know we, we you know we sent her off you know the right way as we should and uh you know we waited a couple weeks and uh, when i say we myself and my roommate waited a little bit and then when i felt that i was ready for another one um that you know moment opportunity presented itself and then we got her here and uh ever since then she's just been doing weird stuff like jumping in my tub and sniffing random cat litter and eating stuff so yeah she's she's great no. she's making a home everything sweet you know? the cats eat the weirdest shit like they have yeah, food and then my, they just it was wild she used to my old cat um it's a boy he used to like comment like powder comment, like cleaning bathroom comment, like comment. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. He just did it. Then he'd like to like run and jump on the wall. So like I would have this big patch of like sheetrock. I'd have to like put plaster over it because he just run up the wall and tear all the paint off. So yeah, cats are something, man. But I've had so many pets in my time. Mm -hmm. My favorite ones are Rottweiler. I love Rottweilers. That's my go-to. Oh my gosh. My uncle has a Rottweiler or had one, I should say. And I remember mm. as a puppy, we got it, or he got it, came on in. Little Rottweiler met the cat, my mom's cat. Now, my mom's cat is the meanest cat everybody ever met to the point where we had to get it declawed because it was bullying oh. us as children. Like, it was like declawed or get rid of the cat. That get was rid the of the cat, right. So right. that was the only, that's why everyone's like, I'm like, listen, you didn't grow up with my cat. My parents had a gun to their head on that declawing choice. So they got the cat declawed. And the cat would walk up to things. Oh, man, it's amazing. And it would bop people. It would be like, bop, 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 bop. And it would like literally be trying to scratch you with his claws. But it would be basically beating the shit out of you because that's all it could do. And it was scary. But it would do this to the dogs and anything else because it grew up with our dog. And it was very comfortable with dogs. That's amazing. This is like clickbait. <laughs> and like, 
the cat went up to the Rottweiler when it met it, and it was like, oh, you think you badass? The, the Rottweiler's all like, hi, I'm a dog. And the cat just right. bop, 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 and would chase it right. underneath like, the yeah, fucking couch. And so it would do that a few times. We came over a couple. Now it comes back like a year later. You can imagine how big a Rottweiler gets in like that time, right? Now it's like 150 pound fucking dog. Right. It right. sees the cat. The cat recognizes the Rottweiler and knows, oh, this is my bitch. Fucking right. bops at it. The growing ass Rottweiler starts trying to dive under the couch. And I'm like, this is the most preposterous shit ever. Because the truth ever. is, Rottweilers yeah. are kind. They're loving. They're the oh, most yeah. amazing dogs in the world. Their reputation's whack. But the fact is, there is nothing like watching a cat that is like 12 pounds bully the shit out of a full grown yeah, Rottweiler. Yeah. And it happened for the rest of its life. Anytime it came over, this cat would like fuck it up in the sense of like this dog was traumatized. And I'm like, cats be fucking foul. Like they're amazing, but they're like, vile. Like old member in Austin Powers just got that little just stroke <laughs> on the cat's head. I feel like I'm like, hmm. And I'm just stroking the cat. Like, That's amazing. She's just, she's just here, man. She's chilling. She does this from time to time. She wants to hang out. And I guess she must have heard I'm doing an interview. So she's like, oh, I want to I wanna get, you know, my little 15 seconds of fame. So she's here. She's doing it. Yeah, it's she's amazing. It's, yeah. it's good, though. I mean, part yeah, of I, my, my goal at the interviews is to, like, humanize my guests because I realize people like it when people are human these days. Everyone wants to relate. What the f Anybody can relate to a guy with his cat just fucking petting a cat. You know, that's what it is. The cat shows up. You got to pet it. You don't have a choice. I Pet me, I'm here, love me, you know, and that's, and now she's gone. Okay, bye. That's, that's it. <laughs> and then when she made her, her noise and she's gone. Now she's sitting on my floor. So he's comfy. Yeah. That's he's what comfy. it is. That's, that's my, that's what I've learned. Cats are like, they give you time. And when it co comes, you either appreciate it or you don't. <laughs> oh, excited. I feel like she's like my number one fan in my house. Because she gets super excited. She'll stop doing what she's doing and run up to me, like walk around my legs. And I think it's because of food, but I'm, <laughs> it's love. <laughs> like, I think it's food. Because the second I shake it back, she's like, forget everything else. Like, I'm going right to the plate. Like, we're going to get crazy. We're going to get stuck. So she, she likes that. I'm her best friend when it comes to food. Anything else, she's like, ah, pet me and love me, change my litter box. I right, get the hell out of here, strength go play PlayStation or something like she hasn't, she, yeah. But when it comes to food, she's like, yeah, you my dog. You might, you know what I mean? You, yeah, you I, I tell my girlfriend's cats is like, one of them is really friendly. She's kind of a little too needy. She just will flop around so many times a day that yeah. loses meaning. Yeah. The other cat, she might give my girlfriend 10 minutes a week of cuddle time. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. So it's very scarce. Mm -hmm. But I fucking swear, if you pull out the treat bag, she'll go it's as over. far should oh. meow pet me it feels like prostitution dude it yes. feels like you're paying for sex <laughs> but you're paying for it with treats but and you go through it, it and it goes as far as she'll eat it out of my hand because she knows mm -hmm. she might get more treats if she does treats right yeah and i'm just like this is not a comfortable exchange at the end of the day <laughs> it's like, I'm getting robbed yeah that's <laughs> like whatever but then the second the treats are done not even two seconds the second it's like fuck you don't touch me i'm like yeah Damn. get out of here don't get out of here i'm back to be my old self my cat um she does this thing where we actually have two um the other ones in the other room 
And um, she does this thing where she knows it's nice outside. So she would go to the door and just cry and scratch at the door because she would go outside. We would bring her outside, put a harness on her. And we would bring her outside, and all she would do was just, like, sniff the grass and then just start eating grass. She would just go nuts. And um, one time, we were in the house. My roommate and I, we were just chilling in the house, and we realized there was no crying. There was nothing. It was just quiet. We were like, where's the cat? So she, I don't know how she got out, but she got out, went downstairs in the backyard. Because how my house is set up is there's a house and then there's another house right there, but they have a little backyard that walks downstairs to the sidewalk. And it's like dark outside now. So we go, I go downstairs with a flashlight. Sure enough, I see my cat under this tree in the dark, just crying. Meow, 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 meow. So I pick her up, bring her upstairs. And after that, for like maybe like two weeks, three weeks straight, she's like, nah, I'm not going outside. Nah, nah. We'll open the door. She won't go. She stopped the crying, all that stuff. So uh, I think it, I think outside the outside noise with like the stray cats and the traffic and all that stuff, I think that definitely like shook her and scared the living crap out of her. Um, so ever since then, she's just like, oh, I, I might go outside. I don't, I don't care for it. But yeah, they have them out of their own, man. Like no. Shaw, she likes to drink bathroom water, tub water. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like I don't know man. There's no water in it because it's always dry for the most part, you know. But except when I take a shower, but she won't go in like ap- like after. She'll go in like a couple hours later after we're done taking a shower and all that, and then she'll just go in there. She'll sniff the toilet bowl, and then she'll just sit in the tub. I don't get it. <laughs> don't no, get all, it. all I know is if I, okay, this was discovered by accident. Is the randomest shit, but I've replicated it about nine times, so it's guaranteed to be a thing. I pull my phone out, and it has to be my phone because I've tried other speakers. And if I put it at full volume and I play Queen's song, Princes of the Universe, like, here we are, that shit. Right. What will happen is the cat that doesn't like anybody shows up, and she becomes the friendliest cat you've ever seen, kind of. It's weird. She'll walk right up to me no matter where I am and kind of meow at me a bit. Then the other cat comes because she's like, what the fuck's going on? Why did the first cat go over? And then the first cat that hates everyone becomes a barbarian and beats the shit out of the other cat. And it's like without fail every single time. And I mean, it's almost like weird like to say it like that because like they're they're sisters. They're like actual cats. And so like they're not like hurting each other. They're more like softcore fighting. Yeah. Every time yeah. I play that song, and it's without fail. Like if I did it right now, I almost would put money down. The first cat would come, then the other one would come over, and if not, if the other one doesn't come, she'll still go find the other cat and beat the shit out of her for a second. And I'm like, is that not the weirdest shit? Ever like, right? Yeah. The cats are wild, man. They they definitely have a mind of their own. Um, I've had. You know, I have Amore, and her name, they're both girls. And Amore, and I had another cat named Leechy. She was a cat that passed away. And um, they would fight, and then, like, an hour later, they'd be on the same bed sleeping. Like, butt to butt, tail to tail, just sleeping. And I'm sitting there going, I don't understand this. I don't get any of this. 
like an hour and a half ago. You about to call that cat's face all off. And now all of a sudden, y'all on the same bed sleeping. I don't, like, just mind blown. So, yeah, man, you know, cats are weird, but they're, they are, you need, you know, you need like a, a lovable, like adorable yeah. friend, you know. I'm surprised at how long the cat talk went on for. I'm not going to lie. That's probably a good clip. My girlfriend was down for it. That was fun. But we got this giant ass comment from Horrid72 uh, behind that suit. Charlie Soul. How much skill or skill do you believe a music artist should have outside of the studio? I see in here so many artists that are overly reliant on computers and technology, but their music is overly auto-tuned and pitch corrected and beat corrected to the point that the music almost suffers as if it weren't for technology the vocals would be complete crap uh so yeah what do you think about that it um it all comes down to the science of it honestly again it's how much you you feel how much energy you put into the song you know yeah you're gonna have the, the auto tune you're gonna have that sound check you're gonna have the you know the people that have chose a different way to produce music um and then you're gonna have the people that go the more traditional route and you know try to like for example i um i have a thesaurus app on my phone right. and every day i would learn a new word and, I would, and at one point when i was a child my old man would give me um a dictionary and he would say, close your eyes. And I'd close my eyes like this. And he would open the dictionary and just point at a word and tell me, open my eyes. And I would learn that word that day. Um, and I, I use that method till this day, um, just because of the fact that I'm, I'm, you know, I was taught a little differently and I use that method in, in songwriting. So yeah, it, it depends on the energy that you, that you have, that you mm -hmm. want to, display that you want to portray and um if you if you are a lyricist and you want to go word for word and you want to be in depth with your story you're going to find yourself as an artist digging deeper than if you were just to put out like a, a pop song or like a club song you find yourself digging into yourself into your soul into your penmanship and craftsmanship a lot deeper than if you were to go to like make a kid bop song or like, you know, a club banger song or something like that, because at that juncture at that time, you're giving the listener, you, you're giving that person 100% of you. So yeah, you know, the, the, the extra sound effects and all this stuff, that's nice to have. It, it, it should be an addition to what you stand for, you know, like for example, um, and I use a lot of my own songs, but I'm actually going to use someone else's song. Um, you're playing it, Rommel's, uh, Obi-Wan's, I'm going to the real government up, um, Obi-Wan's Hands Up, Light Is In The Air. Um, that song came about, honestly, he sent me the beat, um, and he sent, <laughs> he sent me the beat, and he didn't know what beat he sent me at all. So I'm like, I sent him back, text him a couple hours, yeah, it's all set stuff. And I got, I heard, you know, the beat that he sent me and then I took inspiration from somewhere else and I got a Swiss Beats type of vibe from the, the way he was sending me. And from there I took that energy and I tried to match it and I tried to give 
him something like a product that is going to go with the rest of his album. And we didn't have to go through all that extra, like, you know, you know, synchronization. We didn't have to go through all that stuff. It was just pure talent, raw talent, ad libs, us telling the story, getting the crowd, trying to get the audience to get hype for that song. And I think we, you know, we, we hit the nail on the head with that. So yeah, it depends on how much you want to go for it. Really. I got a super different answer to that because I feel like we both got asked, <laughs> but it was fairly like you know, the guests go first. Um, first of all, like <clears throat> y'all skilled, right? Like you guys hit a skill threshold. I would say there is a skill threshold of good. Good is mm-hmm. achievable, and you have to get good. <laughs> this is maybe call it the ten thousand hours, whatever it is. You get to this point that's good. Like you have to be able to do certain things, right? Now, to talk about like the overallness of the corrections and shit i think it really is relative to goals expectations and environments so check it i know some cats right now that their whole game plan and this is because like they they started music because of covid let's say their whole experience doesn't include live shows it's all internet shit right. end of the day they have plans and they're gonna go do their thing correct their thing do whatever they want to do follow right. whatever trend they want to follow and their whole plan is to make bank off of almost, we'll call it algorithmic sounds, whatever. But they're doing their thing and they're building their buzz. But they're also communitying up and rolling in groups and they're playing the game in a certain way. But their plan doesn't involve live shows. It involves more video content centric approaches. So if that is your plan and you plan on going a 10 year run without even caring if you perform or not because you know you can play social media and it's working then in regards to skill it becomes less relevant in package and presentation because the game is is different you can still have substance but skill becomes less relevant it's more about execution of vision now if i'm gonna go to a park with a bunch of rappers rapping i best be able to bring it because right. I'm putting myself into an environment upon which skill becomes relevant. Or if I want to position myself in a way where I'm choosing to go down the paths of life, where it's a live show, well, fuck, you best be able to perform at a live show with some skill Bro. because that's like right. the job, right? right? So if you're choosing to take the paths that focus on skill, you're going to have to have a higher degree of skill because you're in a gig economy, etc., etc. But the real truth is, is the more skill you have, the less you have to rely on technology. Thus, it's a better way to achieve a return on investment in your shit to up your skill game, but also to recognize when to use technology. Because, yo, like, right. if you're really going to wait four years, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Do it now. Fake that shit till you get good. But, like, that's, get good. Yeah. <clears throat> that's, that goes back to, um, and I agree with everything you said, that goes back to it being how hungry you are you know if you if you really want to chase the dream you're going to chase it you know and apparently you you could you could do a lot of different things especially with today's outlet you don't have to necessarily be like you can you could become like a tiktok like famous person overnight i've seen it happen with multiple people um and you just have to have that one thing that one buzz that just sets you off and then from there it, it becomes, okay, well, you have the buzz. Okay, what else does this person have? And then that's when the talent kind of comes in. Like, this guy offers this much. He brings this much to the table. 
what else does he have? And that's where Angry Boy collaboration, you know, myself, everybody on the team is that's where we're at now. We're at, okay, well, what else can we give? Okay, we're just going to give you guys everything, everything, whether it be from a video aspect, whether it be a live show, whether it be clothes merchandise, whether it be photos, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, motivational speeches, whether it be any of those things, we are mm. giving the, the listener, we're giving that person, that complete stranger, an outlet that they never see, you know, usually, because you get up, you have a daily routine. You get up, you know, you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you get something to eat, you get dressed, you go to work, you do your thing. All those things I just listed, there's no Angry Boy collaboration, there's no Charlie Soul, there's no Obi-Wan, there's no Grizz, there's no any of that. But if I can do something that can break your daily cycle of what you do, that means I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. That means I'm doing something that is effective, that is potent, that is that can affect your life in a different way. It takes how many seconds? You you can have 15 seconds to three minutes to watch a TikTok video, right? If that if that video is boring, what do you usually do? Just scroll up, move on to the next one, move on to the next video. That's what most people do. That's what everyone does nowadays. But if I can grab your attention for about 15 seconds, that means I have your attention. That means we're all set. And now you're in tune. Now you're dialed into whatever I have to say, whether it be Five seconds, 10 seconds, or three minutes. I have your attention. And that's what we are as a team. That's what I am. That's, well, that's what we represent. I'm going to argue, like, there's a bit more to it, right? Because you could get there the is. attention and have nothing to say. And that's a huge problem right now. That's where yeah. it's almost like in the world of TikTok. You could argue that the attention-grabbing gimmicks are the equivalent of, like, auto-tune in TikTok land. So, like, yeah, you right. can shake your titties, but, like, what else right. you bring into the table? Because trust, exactly. there's, like, 18 other chicks that shake their titties the to the exact same yeah. fucking audio. Right. I, I liked all of it, but I didn't actually right. hit the follow on any of you. Right, right, you know, exactly. Like, it's exactly. like, that's not enough, you know? But it brought me to, like, an idea back to that same point. So back to skill. Cool. You could rap real, real good. You could do all the rapidy raps. You could make all the best songs. You could sing your ass off. But how do you build a community around you? How do you bring value? If I'm a promoter, that's useless to me unless I, I'm like, like okay, in, in Canada, it's a little different economically. Like most people are not in, at least in Montreal, are not in a situation where like the bars are just full all the time. It's a weird vibe, right? right? So right. it really comes down to like, if I put your name on a flyer, are you like able to bring people? Does that right. do anything for me? Right. Who cares how right, talented right. you are? So it gets right. more community oriented. But the fact that you're squatted up with a collective that collectively has all these various skill sets means that just fucking with y'all, it unlocks access to things that I might not have beyond music. Because at the end of the day, skill, like, yo, rapping, like, there are a lot of rappers who rap really good, but yes. don't do anything but rap. And that's yes. all they know how to do is rap. And like it's the so like skill, it becomes almost valueless if everybody has it. Has it right? Yeah, it's it's what else you can bring to the table, and that's more reason why I have. That's why I'm advertising the merch. That's why I'm doing you know the photo shoots and going to the poetry slams and trying to network because at the end of the day, you, you're giving the person more than you know than just the name than just the skill. Like you said, you're giving the person merchandise. You're giving the person an outlet to to look at, you know, an in-depth view of who you are. That's why the videos are being made. That's why 
the photo shoots are being done, the music's being created, all that content, because it's just like you said, but what else do you have to bring to the table besides skill? I can marketing, I'm good at marketing, I'm good at promotions, I can do a photo shoot. Like for example, I did a photo shoot just now, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I tagged like the brands that I was wearing. I was wearing Jordan, I was wearing Nike, I was wearing, uh, I had like different things, I had like Adidas underwear on, stuff like that. And I tagged all those people in it. Now they may not even see it, but if I keep tagging them in it, tagging them in it, eventually it might catch, it might, it's just like fishing. So people may like go like blah blah nah. Here's how it works because I manage a social media agents that answer people like you if they so catch these tweets. Every company has a database that they're paying for a tool that is getting all the, the tweets from you, especially with Twitter, let's say. I Instagram's pretty public too. So Every let's say you hit up my company every time at underscore Charlie Soul tweeted us, it would create like a tr a case like a, a support right. ticket in a sense. Right. But what I can do is click on at underscore Charlie Soul and see all of your ticket history with us. So believe it or not, it is really plausible that there is like a filter set up for these people that let's say you hit. 350 mentions of them because you're that dedicated they like actually tweet you or some shit like you know what it's not impossible this is how this right, shit works because yeah, these yeah. companies are constantly looking for user generated content because if charlie soul basically gets the fly looking picture and they modeled all the right combinations of shit right let's say all those brands are allies and there's no beef then like right. they can actually like reuse that and it's blessed because then it's like I would like triple down on being the same brand the whole way through though. That would increase your mm. chances of success because then it's like uh -huh. that company by itself. Cause you imagine like, like it, I'm, I'm just saying Adidas and Nike, let's say they don't like each other. I don't know this. Right. Then you kind of like whatever. But if you just Adidas one day, boom, Adidas might be like, bro, you're like Adidas all day, every day, you know? Right. You know, I'm just trying to think that one through. Like if I'm the company and you tagged me and my competitor, I'm like, well, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it, you would just be like, it would just be like one. And I would do that. Definitely. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't tag like if they were competitors, I would be like, okay, I'm wearing just this Adidas outfit from head to toe. All right. The next yeah. outfit is just pure Nike Reebok, whatever, you know? And um, I would go off of that, you know, but that's also more to the table. That's another part. Modeling agencies may catch you doing that. Like other people yeah. that you're not thinking about, maybe watching for that type of shit. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing too. That's also, you know, advertisement. That's also marketing myself and what I my brand, you know, and what I stand for, along with modeling their brand. You know, I'm not getting paid for it at all. But if I can, you know, if Nike says, "Oh, okay, let's click Charlie Soul. Let's look at that support ticket," and you know, and review review, you know, what he's been going through. And they say, click the bio, they click the link in the bio, they pull up Charlie Soul's credential, they pull up all the songs. And I'm like, all right, maybe you can work with this guy. So that's more reason why I encourage my team. I gotta change that battery. <laughs> um, um, I'll encourage my team to, you know, keep going. You know, um, my one of my statuses on Facebook was just that, just keep going because you're going to hit hurdles. You're going to have obstacles where you're just like, I don't know if I can keep going, but you have to keep going. It's hard. You're going to fall down. You're going to fall down. You're going to get scrapes. You're going to get bruises. You're going to bleed. You're going to cry. You're going to ask yourself, what the hell am I doing? 
And I went through all those phases and I'm still going through that phase. Now I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Who am I doing this? And then you're like, Oh yeah, that's cause I fucking love doing this. That's when you realize it's you're at home. You do something because not because you want to do it. It's because you love to do it. I love right. doing this. I love writing music. I love when the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I love when people say that song is dope. I love it. I love it when people tell me, keep going. Because that to me is like the motivation to be like, all right, go now. Keep going. Your foot's on the gas. Don't stop. Because the second you stop, I believe you get comfortable. And I hate being comfortable. Here's the reason why I hate being comfortable. Because you start to settle. And then when you start to settle, you're like, all right, everything around me is good. No, you want things to be better and then be at its best, at its peak, you know? And then at that point, you realize, okay, I'm at my peak. I made it. I went through all those trials and tribulations. I fell down a lot of times. I got a lot of Band-Aids on me, but I'm standing upright. I'm fighting. I'm going for it. And that's when I write, you know, whenever I have a positive post, I have a positive thought in my head and I share it, it's not to belittle anybody is to tell someone else that that's might be going through a, a really, really crappy time. Keep going. Don't stop. If you are an MC, if you're an artist, if you're a singer, if you're an artist, if you're a poet, if you're whatever, keep going. Don't stop. Cause you're going to hear people say, yeah, you suck. I've heard a lot of that. I've heard a lot of people tell me, yo, your bars are trash. You suck period. And it hurt like hell, but I'm still here. I put 11 songs out. I'm blessed to be doing an interview with you. So apparently I'm doing something right. So that's why I say, you know, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And I appreciate this interview. I appreciate everything you had said to me. Um, I really enjoy your energy. I like the way that you put yourself into the world and how humble you are with it. But yeah, I can't say there's anything you said that I disagree with fundamentally. You roll with this all super well. Um, I feel like we've hit that point where like I'm not sure where else to go with it. You've answered this yourself. We've broken the two hour point where I'm like, well, I mean, at that point, you don't even feel bad, you know? Like we've gone a long <laughs> way. And it was I cool. Like I loved every minute of it. I mean, you get to meet my cat and my alarm, so that's, that's cool. <laughs> and I'm really excited to see what you do next, to see what y'all work with. Uh, I mean, I like the fact that you're collaborative enough to, to recognize the value of that and that you just keep focusing on the people around you. Like a good part yeah. of your story was that there were other people that were not you. Um, on that note, uh, I do also want to say a special thanks to everybody out there watching it make sure that you. you know we we appreciate you it makes it a better experience for that Thank also you. all y'all watching in the future it's also really cool that you did that so thank you make sure to subscribe like follow comment wherever you are all the different yes, things yes, you can yes. do yes i definitely followed i oh, definitely we just I got definitely, a response I, to the I, comment so uh there's a big response i know that a lot of artists including yourself that use audio samples or borrow beats or buy beats or pay people to write them beats um I guess, yeah. Where is the balance here? At what point can you truly call the song your own? And have we have all heard where some dude will take an already existing song, like Don't Stop Believing and like rap over it. Hard to really call it their song. Um, to myself, I mean, I feel like there's tears to it, right? I mean, I have mm -hmm. shit that is exclusively my music where like everything is owned and completely that. And in that regard, that's the art. 
that's the studio that's like the the project the problem much you can go check that as for the stuff where it's sampled and whatnot i mean i feel like there's a whole other side to it where it's like almost low budget and mixtapey and i just like the idea of creating a lot and having fun with it in the modern era and fucking with it so i mm-hmm. won't even register that to like socan or anything for me it's just a matter of putting it out there in an effort to like do that mass production that used to exist in the scenes that was never documented once upon a time that was like always a part of it like people have hundreds and hundreds of songs that like nobody ever heard and it was really just they had their albums where they put out like this this thing so i mean in that regard i feel like i personally just paid homage to a lot of it like i have shit that isn't sample driven in fact i don't even think i really fucked a lot with samples before 2021 i was really like right. to it i was on some i have to own everything everything has to be I authentic used to write okay to, uh... i have to take it back there's a few things in my past that i didn't ask questions about that i know for a fact now are samples but back then it was ignorance and i didn't realize it and i thought it was like proper but i didn't ask questions so if we go back to like my old shit, it's possible but like pretty much the two or three thing albums like the two albums i've done proper like i went into like making sure it was all authentic like i know the right. producers we they have the tracks the stems etc etc so i think it's just a matter of like putting it in the proper context again like it's a mixtape it's a mixtape i don't know that's me rapping about whatever the fuck. if it's yeah. like a studio yeah. project and the story and the album then it's that's what it is you know i don't it's, know if that um, makes sense oh yeah i it, for me it's as an artist that is slowly growing and fan base which is slowly growing i had i had the opportunity to write music pretty much wherever and whenever i i please whether well, it be sorry so go on i didn't mean to cut you off no it's okay um so like doing different sound checks and like you know oh you know taking a sample from here and doing that i mean i i pay homage and i i give props to all the producers that i bought beats from um and i make sure that you know i give them that um, that level of respect in the beginning of the song or if not in the middle or if not the end. And I feel that um, you have to give them credit because they they have their own talent in their, in their own way. And for me to be able to connect with that one individual producer, you know, whether they took 10 minutes to make that beat or 10 hours or 10 days to make that beat, it came from then them genuinely. And you could tell, you know, if someone sampled something I'm from somewhere else, but all the guys that, you know, that I've you know, interacted with and done business with at that time, I've physically seen them, you know, or they were shared videos of them making the instrumental from scratch, you know, making the beat from scratch. And it, nowadays it's kind of hard to not sample Even anything. Like then it's like, what's a song by definition? A song is a composition of music that has words added to it. If you're right. in a band, the song, like there's guys who play bass, who play drums, and there's a guy who like sings over it. Like, right. in what universe is the person who like raps over a beat that they paid for? It? Like, any less of an artist? It's like literally, if you register the work, right? I register myself as the author, and my beat maker's the composer, because there's right. two fucking credits. Like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, in what universe the purest, like purest, like like it's almost like ignorant. Like the entire perspective of like 
you have to be involved in everything is just ignorance to how music has ever worked. That's the truth of it. It used to be even like it used to be even more people were involved, even more production pieces were involved in every level of the machine. Like bands used to be 17 times as big as they were like, oh, yeah. I mean, like oh, yeah. it's, it's like saying that like a songwriter in like a band is like less of an artist because he doesn't play guitar. You know, like it's fucking wacky. Right. <laughs> like it's right. a weird perspective. Just because you said including it, it, myself, I'm like fine, sure, but like I don't know. I'm I'm confused by the devaluing of like taking a song with samples and rapping on that, and somehow being less of an artist when that's like the golden era of hip hop. Right, right. Yeah. It's it's a lot of you know you have originality and then you have you could tell the difference between originality and and, and people that just like song bite and sound bite and you you you, you know you know. And it, again, it comes down to the penmanship. It comes down to, you know, how hungry you are to create content that's different, you know, from everybody else. And that's where I find myself, like, I, I put myself on that pedestal because of the fact that I, I want to give the viewers different content and different. And in order to do that, you have to be able to branch out and kind of break out of your element from, you know, from where you usually are. So yeah, it's a, there's a there's a fine line between like soundbiting and creating your own content, and at the same time, it's you over you want the overall objective to be the same. You want the goal to be the same. You want that to reach the listener. You want that to reach the viewer. And now some people are gonna say, oh, the creativity process is different. Of course it is, but the main goal is the same. I mean, the only reason sample use is illegal is because of American copyright law being written as it's written in a court case in 94. Like, it's like, it's a, oh man, there's so many sides to that conversation. Upon yeah, there it's is. Like, That's a whole separate interview. It's like, so. then you're going back into like, is hip hop even a legitimate genre of music with the base argument? It's like, nah, man, it's, it's like, bro. That's like saying, does like guys like Dean Martin who would just do fucking cover songs and shit, are they less of fucking musicians because they had giant bands and other songwriters and shit? Like, you know, like there's so many angles to this side of the debate that only makes sense if you're like one type of person. And I'm like, nah, I'm I'm not really like that. I don't really see it like right. that. End of the day, shit's like people fucks with you or they don't. Don't, depending right. on what it you does, do yeah how does That's it like every one of my favorite rappers has like 100 mixtape songs on industry beats you know like yeah. all of them like the whole history of music is laced with like this like or take like deep south fucking cuts where they would like jack each other's fucking lines and make entire tracks sampling each other like it's just there's oh, entire yeah. cultures of shit yeah. that just like yeah. or what about rhythms in jamaica where like the same <laughs> rapper or got, singer will be brought to multiple people to make different versions of the track right. for each dj yeah. like oh, right yeah, yeah yeah there's so many yeah. sides to musical culture if you go mm -hmm. international with it that like any kind of well what if this pure this is the right way to do it. it's just ignorance it's ignorance no, to, yeah like, of course your of localized course. perspective of, of what's good or bad music right. and honestly it's not helpful in a globalized market where everybody on youtube learning how to do everything it yeah it's it comes with a, again you take that with a grain of salt because it depends on you, you can watch the information you can watch it right in front of your face can you retain the information 
That's the first thing. The second thing is if you can retain the information, how much of the information you're actually going to use in your everyday life? Well, and I then guess the I meant it more is, like from a tutorial perspective. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You so take like, that information run with it. And so then like, you see how far you go with it. You could like decide to become a sound engineer tomorrow based on fucking YouTube tutorials. Like, yo, the world is not right. what it was. Like, what are right. the rules? I don't know. But the gatekeeping, it's like four and a half million dollars to put your song on the radio, whereas once it was 50K. Like, there are so right. many factors in this game that are like, yo, get the fuck out of here with the purest shit. Right. It's like, if you can right, find right, a way right. to make a bag in this shit, get your bag. Get your bag. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that's else it. is and just that's fucking really what nonsense. It is nowadays, and I think um, to add to that, a lot of people are, oh, let's just get to the back. Let's get to the back. Let's get to the back. But if the content that you put out is getting you to the back, that's great. But if I don't like it, I'm not going to listen to it. That's you know what I mean? And, Super you know, fair. You don't have right. to like my music. Right. You don't have exactly. to like anything I do. Exactly. And that's also exactly. acceptable. Right. I don't know why that's everybody why I say, has yeah, to like get to the bag. You get to the bag, that's on you. I'm proud of you. You got to the bag, you're getting your money, you're doing your thing. So, you know, there's a lot of people that say, okay, you know, I don't I don't really like your music so much and stuff like that. And I say, okay, that's fine. I, I respect it. Thank you. But I'm going to keep doing what I got to do to get to the bag. And, you know, and I'm going to have a couple, you know, friends I meet along the way, a couple, you know, naysayers along the way. And that's in everything. That's in everything. Whether you're a rapper, whether you're a singer, whether... You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're going to have someone that's going to tell you, ah, you can't do it. Ah, don't do that. You're going to have the people that's going to tell Sorry. you. And then you take that negativity and say, okay, well, shove it. And I'm going to go do what I want to do and do it to my best ability. And for the people that jump on the bandwagon, love it. For the people that tell me no, I still love it because it took them. I still got their attention because it took time out of their day for them to tell me, no, I don't like this. You know, facts. so it's like, hey, I got your attention for for a brief second. I got it. And that was the main goal. So, you know, you, you take the good with the bad and you, you take the lessons as they come, you know, and you're going to have the people that tell you, oh, well, you suck. Yeah, well, try something else. Don't quit the day job, you know, go back to work, you know, and then you're going to have the people that tell you, OK, this is this is what you got. This is, you know, where you're going. And that's when I was telling you earlier about the ball roll. Some people get afraid. They don't know where it's going to go. So they stop. They, they abort ship. They say, screw it. I'm, I'm afraid. And some people just go with the ball. They just say, all right, well, I, I'm here. You know, I'm at the show. You know, I'm, I'm doing this song with this guy and I'm here. Like the performance at the Shaft Steam Bar in Manchester. I didn't know anybody there. You know, the guys that I performed with was Rowdy City. They have a way bigger fan base than I do. And, um, when I was there and I did the show, I did my performance, I did my bit. I was there for like maybe about 15 minutes, did my whole 15 minute bit. And uh, the simple fact that they came out, out of their way, bigger fan base than I do, they're more known than I am. They came up to me and they said, we should do a song together, let's trade information, I'll follow you on the gram, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, I never met these people in my life. Never met them, didn't hear about their music until like a month and a half ago. And I'm pretty sure they never heard of me. And from that day forward, had it not been, I mustered up the courage to go and, you know, and spit 16 bars, you know, a couple of weeks before, I probably would have never had the opportunity to do that show, to be here, to do this interview with you guys. It, 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 so the ball was rolling and I was afraid. I was scared like hell where it was going, but I let it roll. I didn't stop it. I didn't abort ship. I didn't get scared. 
so it's you live on that you know you live on that that thrill you live on that you know you live on that that rush you know and and after that once you you, once you know where you're going it's beautiful it's beautiful i appreciate that and i I even like the comment i mean it's a legitimate question i answered super fucking passionately because there's certain things i'm not like fond of i know a lot of people who i find want to subscribe to a right way to do things and i might even be guilty of it you know sometimes i feel like there's the right way to do things but it's like i don't know like who made any of these rules that's the part where i get really confused i don't know who made any of these rules i know there are legal frameworks and if you follow the frameworks you're all right but like the rest of it's just I don't know. It's baffling. It's in an area. It's it's like bro code. You know, there's like girl code. There's bro code. It's just things that you know, you know, that you should do. The things you just don't do, you know, and that's just like growing up in a hood. You know, you know, there's certain places you shouldn't walk, certain, you know, certain moves you shouldn't make, certain business you shouldn't deal with certain people. And uh, you go about it. And that's the same thing. Like, you're going to have, uh, you know, artists and, and people that come for a reason and some for a season. You know, some people, they stay in your life, you know, and some people come and go. And, you know, the people that stay in your life, you absorb the energy that you can and implement it into your life, you know, because, for example, you you know, you hang out with people that give you the same energy that you like, positive energy, uplifting, spiritual energy. You're not going to hang around a person that's like, oh, man, let's just go do math all day. No, like, you're not going to want to hang out with that type of influence. And I just use that as an example. But, you know, you want that type of energy because you want to better yourself as an individual, you know, you want to better yourself as a person and learning those life lessons. As you go, you learn who to mess with, you learn who's real, you learn who's fake, you know, you learn who to mess with. And, uh, and, and, and that goes back to everything in life, whether it's your job, whether it's music, whether it's you know your everyday living, you know what to do, you know what not to do. And it's just, it's not spoken. It's just, you know, it's just already implemented in what you should, what you shouldn't do. You know, yeah, and that's when in, in music you pay homage to the people that helped you get to where you at. Because had it not been for them, you wouldn't be, you know, where you at. You know? That's facts. I don't know. All I know is that if I were to ask my beat maker if he wanted to make me beats for free, he'd ask me how he's gonna eat, and that's why right. I pay him for right. beats. And that's, and that's that's and that's where you, that that's one of the things too. Like, you, you're not only just paying homage to that person; you're giving them a source of income. You know, yeah, like, I bought over ten beats. I spent over five, six, seven hundred dollars in just oh, instruments. Like my main just guy, beats. I just give him money a month, every month. He just get he's right. gotten money from me every year for like two and a half, three years. It's just he gets money from me. Like he's just right. even if we don't do anything that month, I don't know. Promise I'm gonna owe him it one day. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> pay it now. Pay yeah, it early for I once, you know. And it's like I don't know. That's how famous people do it. They uh, acquire right. income and they pay every resource on their team, and as a result, they pay hundreds of people to create the enterprise that is them. Like, there's almost like no, like, there's so few opportunities in life where like eleven people who are able to just do shit for free and collaborate can just do. Like, it's so rare, and it hasn't happened for me. So I'm like, I right, I'm gonna run shit how I can and run it the way. You I run can. it, yeah. There was an interview, uh, recipes pop smoke. Um, there was an interview that he he had, and he was talking about why his circles are very small. He's like, I fuck with a lot, you know, with very little people. And when whenever he's in the booth, like he had 
majority of his album, majority is you know his his lyrics and his songs. It was just him. There's no feature. A lot of them was just him. And it the lesson in that was that you you fuck with the people that want to fuck with you. You mess with mm. people that want to mess with you. you. You hang out with the people that want to hang out with you, or else you by yourself majority of the time. You one man show majority of the time, and you you only incorporate yourself with the people that want to be around you. You know they enjoy it. Hey, the light came on. <laughs> they, you know they they enjoy the the energy that you give them. So you know you hear the people that's like, oh man, good job. You know, and that's what you want because who will want like negative energy around them? They you wouldn't want that. You want to be in, a, in a, an ecosystem, an environment where you are uplifting other people. And you're uplifting yourself and other people see that, you know, the people outside your circle, they see that. So they say, okay, man, I, I like this guy. I like the character he is. I like the image he's portraying. I like what he stands for. And, um, and, and that's, that's pretty much, you know, me, that's what my, my goal is be the golden standard. You know, you're going to have a lot of days where you, you have a lot of knives in your back, you cut, you're beaten up, you're bruised, you're tired, you're broken, you're exhausted, you're frustrated, you're pissed, the list goes on and on. But you keep going, just keep going, keep going. Like all those athletes that go to the Olympics, they don't wake up. They're not fucking Olympians when they when they're born. They practice. They go through trial, tribulation, break bones. They've been studying their craft for years. You get to that point where it's like you know who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, and then you just start chasing that goal. And and that's where you know that's where I'm at with music. Music is the reason why i'm here you know it's the reason why i'm alive today right no i appreciate that anyway uh, thank you again for coming man i love all your thank you for inviting me brother it was super great to have you here and again i appreciate everybody watching i appreciate everyone there and yeah thank you guys love you guys so much links will be in the description of the video in the future so you don't have to worry about that but it's at underscore charlie soul on everything and yo, again, appreciate y'all coming. Live long and prosper, everybody. Live long, my brother. You got it. Mm-hmm.